0: Welcome to L.L.S. of Pumar Takes. This is our 264th take, live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Plessy, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is a fantastic show, and I'm so excited to bring back one of my favorite guests, one of my favorite people. Hell, let's just say it like it is. He's one of my best friends, and I'm really glad to have him back, and we're going to be smoking a fantastic cigar tonight. Normally, I let my guest of honor choose. Well, he did it's usually done live we did this behind the scenes and you'll learn more about that in just a little bit uh but believe it or not yes we are back better than ever and we got to thank the people that make this show possible that belongs to our sponsors and tonight's show is sponsored by drew estate yes drew estate has done it once again they have partnered with themselves to bring one back of the most popular mainstays within the Liga Provada line. Yes, the Papas Fritas has a new blend. The H99, the Liga Provada H99, uh has now available on the in the Papas Fritas size. Yes, the iconic Papas Fritas size from Drew Estate. It has now the H99 blend. So if you want to check out the newest Papas Fritas from Drew Estate, make sure you go to Any Drew Diplomat retailer. Ask for the H99 Papas freeze and get yourself and himself an amazing cigar. And welcome, everyone. This is our 264th take. I'm really pleased to welcome our guest of honor tonight, sponsored by United Cigar. Smoke one today and start living United. Mr. Ben Lee of the Smoking Syndicate. Ben, how are we doing tonight?
1: Yeah, I'm doing pretty good, man.
0: Good Glad stuff, to be back
1: man. on the show, man. It's always fun.
0: Oh, man, it is always fun. It's a good time. I'm so excited to have you back, and I'm so excited to uh, do what we're going to be doing again here, man. Um, but I actually got, because we're going to be smoking cigars, I should probably turn my fan on. I just noticed it was off. So I'm going to do that, but um, I did want to start off with this question. Man, I've been noticing, man, you, you've been texting the group, you know, that we're in quite a bit lately. Uh, just You've been going on some great ventures uh, to concerts, man, and you just saw Pantera. Um yeah, live. I mean that dude. I mean that. I mean that must have been a hell of a show. What What's it like with some of these like older acts? Well, I'll just let you say it. Like these older acts. I mean this. I mean they were prime in our youth, you know. And obviously they're not. They're not young dudes anymore. But I'm sure they still rock. Tell Tell us a little bit about uh, Pantera live.
1: Yeah, I mean, so yeah, well, what saw Pantera this past Tuesday. It was actually in um, Alfred, Georgia, which is really close to. Asheville, so it wasn't that far of, of a drive or anything but um i actually hadn't seen them for 20 years right with the original lineup so you had you know you had phil Dimebag, bag rex and vinnie paul well it actually was one of the worst concerts i ever saw was the original lineup way back in about actually it was 20 23 years ago actually and uh The reason was one of the worst concerts because that was a time when Phil and Selma, the lead singer was going through some really heavy drug use and he was fouled up that night. And, uh, he just, uh, he was so messed up. He kind of devolved into where instead of playing all the songs, they went and played like the first minute of every song and then just cut the, cut the uh, concert short. So I was pretty pissed off, you know, but anyway, fast forward. You know, and they all—they Pantera breaks up. You, they, Vinnie Paul and his brother back. they go and they, um, they form um a damage plan. And you know, everybody—you know—if you're a Pantera fan or, or a metal fan, really, you, you would have heard about, you know, this crazed fan went up on stage and actually shot Dimebag Daryl on stage and killed him right in front of his brother. Jeez. And uh, you know, a few years after that. You know, Vinnie Paul got together with some of the guys from Mudvayne, another group, and formed Hell Yeah, which is really good. I saw them in concert as well live. I actually got to meet Vinnie Paul Abbott uh, backstage, and it was really cool. I mean, he was such a nice guy. You know, I I told him I was, you know, I felt bad, you know, about his brother passing away, man. And I gave him my condolences, and he was really cool. He's like, man, you know, I really appreciate that. That means a lot, you know. So it was a really cool moment. But fast forward now, they, uh, I cannot remember the name of the drummer they got to replace Vinnie Paul, but it was basically like a tribute concert, right? They played a lot of their hits, but it was basically a tribute to the Abbott brothers because Vinnie Paul passed away a few years back from a heart attack in his sleep. So, and it was really cool because a lot of the proceeds actually went to the Abbott brothers charitable foundation. So it was really cool. And they had, for the dime bag, they had, they brought Zach Wild in, which was the black label society and Ozzy Osbourne's guitarist and stuff. He he's amazing. Literally, I I was talking to my cousin, like, I can't think of another person that fit in Pantera better than Zach Wildwood at that time. And they put on an amazing concert. It was freaking awesome. It was rocking the whole time. It was really cool. So yeah, that. That was the one I went to this past week. I but I yeah, it's just weird because they all kind of lined up pretty close each other. I went and uh, I actually took my son to his first concert. It was uh, stained. When you go see them. Oh, that's a group right. Called yeah. Ginger, which is yeah. amazing. Yeah, so he he thought that was pretty awesome. He loved that, and uh, oh, and Breaking Benjamin was there too. And uh, I love that was Benjamin. a really good one.
0: Holy shit, dude! It's fucking great,
1: dude. They put on a great concert. They really did. It was freaking awesome. They did a fantastic job. Stain was amazing, too. That was really good. Um, just before that, one of my favorite bands is Godsmack. And so they're they, they they're on their final tour. I didn't realize this, but this is their final tour. They're done. They, they, they're the bands over now. So it was actually one of the last concerts Godsmack ever put on. And let me tell you, man, it was awesome. It was so good. And what I liked about that, too, was... So came up there, the lead singer was talking about how, you know, like, hey, this, you know, this is true rock and roll, man. There's no, there's no backing vocals. There's no pre-recorded tracks. There's none of that. You hear exactly what we're doing, what we're playing. So if there's a missed note, my voice cracks. That's just rock and roll, man. And it, the whole crowd just erupted because that's you know, a big issue right now with some of the bands there they got pre-recorded tracks playing in the back vocals or instruments or whatever. And, uh, I I can't remember. It was one of the bands that was actually touring in Europe. They actually called off a couple of their concerts because they said their laptops were stolen. And people were like, really? Okay. What the fuck does that have to do with anything? (laughs) You can't just come play on stage. No, you don't have our laptops. Like that's weird. Why can't you play if you don't have your laptops, you know? I don't know. Which it Seems like they should have made. I, they
0: should have made something else up, like
1: right. Anything, literally anything. Like, like, like that, we're, make, we're, that makes that uh, makes sense. Like yeah, as you know. yes, we have the explosive diarrhea. Anything else? Would yeah, like,
0: I mean, sh- sh- you know. Yeah, it should. <laughs> you know, like
1: you know, and like Molly Cruz going through it too, where they're talking about how. You know Vince Neal's his vocals have been pre-recorded, and Nikki 6 hasn't played bass in freaking over a decade. He's faking up; there's a fake bass he's actually got. So you know when Mick, basically Mick Morris you know guitarist for Molly Crew, he's really bad sick. He's he's been sick for a long time. He's got I forgot what the what disease he has, but it's basically his body is in this just pain all the time. His muscles are just they're just ache nonstop, right? So, finally, he, he can't really go on stage. or He can't tour. He can still play, but he just can't tour. He can't get up on stage and do all the, the sure. shit anymore. So, basically, Molly Cruz said, oh, you know, Mick Mars, he's retiring. He's not going to be on the stage, but we're going to still tour. And during that, it, they were supposed to split all the profits. Well, they said, well, Mick, you're not touring anymore, so you don't get 25% anymore. He's like, fuck you. I'll give you my money. Or And he said, if, it, if you don't give me my money, I won't tell all the secrets and that he did. He said all kinds of shit. It was the one talk about this Neil Wasn't really singing, you know, Nikki six has got a fake bass. He hasn't played bass. As a matter of fact, the first three albums, he didn't really play the bass on the albums. So it's not Nikki six playing on the albums. And Tommy Lee's not really drumming anymore. Has to used his drums forever. Yeah. Like shit. And then Kiss went through the same thing. Paul Stanley got busted. Somebody taking a video of him. On stage and he's singing, and in the middle of a of a verse, he turns like that. He's not even on microphone and he's not moving his lid, not talking, but his the song kept going. I was like what, the? so it was pretty cool that Godsmack kind of came out there so that the whole place erupted. It was just amazing concert, but yeah, been some good ones lately. Good yeah. tours,
0: man. I dude, I at the time it was really funny. Like, you know, I, 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 you know, when I was growing up and in high school, I just like listened to a bunch of music that my brother hooked me up with because mostly because I just wasn't that tuned in. I was so uncool, you know, I was so uncool when I was growing up. Cause like growing up, like it was cool to like rock. It was cool to like rap. And I actually did like a lot of rap when I was, you know, younger and stuff like that. Cause I mean, it was like, it was that age, you know, it was that time, you know, it was like, you know, all these these incredible acts were just like coming up when I was growing up and stuff. So it was like, you know, it's really finally getting recognized as a true art form that it really is. And, and so that was that was different, but it was very cool to do that. But I mean, for the most part, I just listened and loved country music, which is like mm-hmm. fucking lame when you're, you know, twelve years old or even in high school at that point. When I got to high school, it was still pretty like there were some other people that they finally were getting into it, but for the most part, it was still one of the uncool things.
1: No, I mean, I we mean, I guess, but I, I'd listen to that too, man. I listen. to I know, you know I know, I got- but
0: my brother got me into rock. So like like some of these, like some of these uh, bands that we're talking about, like these are the stuff that he introduced me to and stuff. Like like yeah, and even to get a little bit more on the punky side, like Jimmy Eat World, Sonic Youth, you know, those are mm-hmm. you know, those are some of his influences and stuff. My brother was a musician, so he had a bland, he had actually had a band um, you know, through college. Um, and they were pretty, they were, they were damn good. Um, you know, great local band. We, we, you know, a lot of great spots. I was, I was the videographer cause it's like, I have no musical talent whatsoever. So, um, but man, it was, it was so freaking awesome watching him just wail and just, you know, cause my brother, my brother's an introvert and, um, it was, man, it was one of the, it's one of the like, my favorite parts of like, and my favorite memories of him was just on him stage. I know I'm totally digressing from the like the Pantera concert, but I just kind of got. It took me back, man. It took me back to all the stuff that he used to make me listen to, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Chevelle, Breaking Benjamin, and stuff, and and you know, absolutely, just they're phenomenal. They're phenomenal. I love them. I still listen. Oh yeah.
1: I mean, that's the way all of our stories are. I mean, this like so. You know, my dad listened to country music, so I listened to a lot of that too. And my cousin, you know, he he listened to a lot of metal, like Iron Maiden. You know, I just yeah. happen to be wearing this, you know, nice, not not know we're talking about this anyway, but he was a huge fan. Like Katrina hit, and like a, right. nine months later, we're driving from the Mississippi Gulf Coast to Chicago to go watch Iron Maiden in concert because it's the first time back on US in like 20 something years. I mean, he's got he's got Eddie tattoos from Iron Maiden's, I guess, mascot all over his body. Like He's a huge Maiden fan, but he likes metal. So I, I kind of grew into that, too. Like, you know, when I hang around him, he was listening to something, right? So I started to listen to metal. And, you know, I was a big skateboarder back in my youth. That's all we ever listened to. We would be skateboarding. We would listen to, to a lot of metal, too. So I grew up listening to country and metal. That was the two main music so i mean i go from george Strait to metallica in the flip of a switch it didn't matter you know so i listen to it all so but it's weird i don't listen to like the newer stuff i don't listen to the more you know the newer a lot of the newer country music i kind of don't really listen to and i don't like the screechy metal that is out now you can't understand the damn word anybody says because it's just screeching. i i don't like none of that yeah so, I kind of still listen to the older stuff and all of those bays are still touring anyway. So, and not to mention that the way ticket prices are now, like we literally went to, we saw Iron Maiden not too long ago in Charlotte, several months back. And it was like, I can't remember, like maybe $70 a ticket or something. Right. You know, but what, (laughs) this blew my mind one of my best friends back home his wife won some kind of lottery to get Taylor Swift tickets and they're going to watch her in the superdome and they got club tickets right mm-hmm. right yeah. almost right right there at in front of the stage or something i can't remember but and they were like 250 bucks a piece which i thought damn that's a lot for for a ticket right but when i found out that the going price on those tickets aftermarket on the secondary market is 10 to 12 thousand dollars what the fuck people (laughs)
0: that's (laughs) nuts who i
1: what are you doing
0: i i just don't understand like like the way that that the secondary market works and stuff like i just don't understand why anyone would pay it i mean like hands look that the people that get it and the people who make money off of it you know like hey man i'm a capitalist you know if there's a it's exactly what the market will bear man if you're gonna pay 12 grand to see somebody in person then shit yeah i'll take your money man like i i just i but i mean it's ticket prices are nuts and they, they need to figure out a better way to control it like how to get tickets for performances and stuff like dude i mean i saw so many people like so you, you um i don't think i don't know you, you ever came out here came out this direction when you lived here but like like that would have been some fun Thanks, COVID That would have been some fun nights, man Because, like, we Billy Bob's Texas You know, the big honky-tonk over here in Fort Worth Yeah like a, Dude, I used to Dude, I saw so many fucking concerts there For, like Like Pennies Like I mean, I was paying, you know You know, 15 20 25 dollars You know To see, you know Stony LaRue Randy Travis You know, Cross Canadian Ragweed you know i mean i mean just some fucking amazing performers man i saw pat green there that was a little bit more cuz he had already kind of exploded a little bit but i think that was like 40 you know yeah like just just nuts ironically ironically i helped uh, i helped pat green with a beer purchase years later at a grocery store i worked at but that's another story for another day but um <laughs> so um but You know, I just think it's, I think it's interesting that what it takes to attend these live events now, which is just nuts, because I think, I think that like the music market is so, it's so easy to, to stream music now. And, you know, I get it, right. There's this demand now for live performance, but it's like, dude, man, you're just, you're, you're alienating your fans by doing it that way like man it's just i don't know i think it does more harm than good
1: well so here's the thing right so okay so going back to this to so we paid i think was 25 bucks a ticket to go to this venue in Asheville called the orange peel right and we saw some like old school metal bands there testament death angel uh i can't remember it was four bands I can't remember what you. The hell the other two were right there at this moment. It was like 25 bucks. Amazing. They sounded fucking awesome. They rocked the place. It was it was really, really good. Oh, Exodus. It was Exodus. Exodus and Testament were just stunning. They were so good. But it was like 25 bucks a ticket. So my cousin and I were t- talking about how we're looking at the uh, Guns N' Roses is about to come by. They're going to come to Knoxville and Atlanta, which is really short drives for me but like the shitty tickets are $300 and it's crazy. I, I was like, what the hell man, it just can't do it. Right. And I actually watched guns and roses. Some people recording guns and some of their shows lately. Axel sounds God awful, man. He was sounds really, really bad, but that's not the point. It's the, what I was talking about with, and this is actually a question we could ask Aaron because he might know. Right. Was, course. The Course reason the ticket prices, they're so expensive, is because it's literally the only source of revenue for these bands right at the moment.
0: Yeah, no, because I the
1: streaming services have taken all of the sales from their music,
0: right? Oh, I totally get it. And yeah. they're
1: getting paid almost nothing on the streaming services. Like if you listen to it on Spotify instead of buying the album, they get pennies instead of getting like, you know, 15 bucks when you bought the CD back in the day. So they they they've lost this massive revenue stream, so that's that's part of where I I understood that the ticket prices are so high too.
0: It's really interesting, like like like. So I follow on Instagram and and like Facebook, like a couple of these like these country these like country I would call them up and comers. Like you know, if I just named them to you, you probably haven't heard of them. But they're they're social media famous, right? They have you know hundreds of thousands of followers and stuff like that, and um you know, they, and, and it was, I was, I was reading an interview about one of them. One of them did an interview and, and I was reading, and they were saying that they, you know, it's unfortunate, you know, they've cut one album, they've done a tour and they said, they still make more money from their monetization on social media.
1: Yeah. Right. Makes total sense. I was just talking about that too. My cousin, we were driving back from, The Pantera concert. I'm like, you know, you don't like if you're an artist, you don't need to do it the old school way. You don't need to go somewhere playing a honky tonk to get discovered by somebody and get signed to a record deal because it's stupid, right? All you would have to do, and it started with MySpace, make record your own music, get your own record, go to a recording studio, get a block, and record your own your own tracks, right? And then post them online or make your own video on YouTube. That's how it happens. And you you that's how you get the traction. And the more clicks you get, the more money you get. That's not it's going straight to you. It's not going to the record company. And so because this is something else too. My cousin actually back in the early 80s, he was in our one of our malls back home in, in on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And Skid Row was coming through. This is when they had just started, right? Sebastian Bach and the uh, I think it was the uh, drummer actually was mm-hmm. in the mall hanging out because they were only they were like 19, 20 years old, right? So they were just like you know, normal teenagers. So he met him in the mall. He immediately recognized him because he was literally going to the concert later that night. So he was talking to uh, Sebastian Bach and he was saying how they're not going to make any money, this is in the 80s, until their third album because they owe the record company so much money. That the record company only were giving them 50 bucks a day. That's nice. all they made. 50 bucks. That's all they could get. But but of course, everything else was paid for by the record company. But it was just this this huge tab that the record company kept putting on the band. That they had to keep performing and keep putting on music. To pay the record company back for the money that they put up. So until the third or fourth album, these bands weren't making any money back then. Yeah. Now... You can just make your own music video, put it out on YouTube. You start generating revenue immediately; It goes straight to you. Yeah, that's the way to do it. You know, and then you just get a promoter, a manager, and then they put you in places where you can play live concerts. You just raise your own money. Yeah, there's no middleman
0: anymore. No, absolutely. If you could, this is this is probably a better question for like somewhere else. This, and this, and I swear, we're going to get onto our major point tonight with this. But if you could see a concert anywhere where would you where would
2: where would yeah where would you go man
1: that's a that's 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 a tough one what's it
0: yeah what's probably, it probably yeah. what's a venue it doesn't matter i'm not asking about the band what's the venue that you would just be like man that'd be a really cool probably one.
1: england uh there's like there's three main ones but probably england hammersmith that's a okay. legendary legendary uh rock festival over there nice um and one we talked about before in our house is budokan japan yeah. so that's a massive one um then there's one in germany too it's walking something i can't remember what the whole name was but that's like the three biggest ones but probably hammers will be the
2: one it's just a legendary man it's a legendary place you know um what about you
0: man so it's really funny like you know again i've never been a big music consumer but i i went to a bunch of concerts small ones like that i mean i can't countless belly bombs and stuff but i still count those but i went to before that even i went to a bunch again like i never paid more than i never paid more than i think the most expensive concert i ever went to is
2: Hmm.
0: might have been kiss i think it was like 60 bucks 70 bucks i mean i just haven't been in over a decade you know really you know kids yeah. and stuff like that you know it's just like and so i've i've been to some fun venues oh man i I don't know what the acoustics are like in this place. I've never been, but it's just the amount of people, the amount of shows, the amount of sporting events, the amount of things that have ever gone on at Madison Square Garden. Like, oh, yeah. yeah I think real. that'd just yeah. be a fucking cool-ass venue to go to and see a good concert. Oh, yeah. Um, you
1: know, another one I just thought of, too, like, it was a country concert. Yeah. Honestly, back in the day, Gillies, Mickey Gillies' place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's funny. The uh, conference I attended this week, they there. They had an after party. I didn't go, but they had an after party thing at Gilly's here in Dallas. Uh, yeah. It's the, the second location, not the OG in Houston, but yeah, no, uh, man, there was, there was just, there was something fantastic about Billy Bob's uh, it still is. I mean, it's not like it's, it's disappeared anything, but it was just like, like I saw their uh, cross Canadian ragweed through a, this. Okay. So they threw an anniversary party. I, I forget. It might have been their 10th or something like that. I don't know. Um, and. Uh, um, and. Uh, my one of my friends from college took me like just as a, like a birthday present and that but I was like 18 bucks. It was $18, man. It was crazy. Like, and we got and we got a CD out of it, too. I still have that CD. It's crazy. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So um I know Coop is a big fan of Red Rocks and uh and uh that's that's still-
1: that's a legendary location too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, so it was like the gorge in near
1: Seattle
0: as well. Yeah, that um I I don't know what kind of performance uh I'd want to see there. Uh but it's so iconic and you're like, man, you got to fucking see something. Like if I ever go to Sydney, I'm going to the opera house. I'm going to see something there.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. For real. Like
0: I'm sure the acoustics are just fucking amazing. Like, like I just hope like with something like that iconic, like you just hope it's not a letdown. Um, <laughs> <you just laughs> I feel Like it doesn't suck or something like that, but i don't know man it's uh it's good stuff man so anyway uh we're actually gonna have, we're actually gonna have a show tonight uh but good yeah, this is this was good this was nice it was nostalgic good good venture down memory justin andrews is already pissed off because i have you on the show it's fine we're gonna keep rolling with it who? anyway Justin andrews who Just, i don't know who okay. that is all right man. Some guy. He's angry on the internet. It's not like there's a shortage. Whatever. All right. Let's get to tonight's major point. was always brought to you by the people. Yes, tonight's major point is brought to you by the people. Cigar people. People who know everything about a lifetime of service. Yes, protocol cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. <laughs> well, maybe it is. But behind the fun is motivation for service and motivation for giving back from the la- from the original Protocol Blue to the latest release in the Lawman series, Phoebe's Cousins' Protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people. It's what their life's work has been and always will be about. Power of the P, a Protocol Cigars. Let's get to it, Ben. Uh, I'm do you, uh, do you want to start? Are you doing a recording on your side, or what are we doing?
1: No, but I could do that. Are you going to give me uh,
2: rights, right? Or not? can I do it? Let's see. Okay, you gotta give me rights. I just sent a request. Okay, perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect.
1: I'll do an introduction. All
2: right, ready?
0: All right, here we go. Three, two, one. And welcome everyone to El Oso Fumar Take Special Edition with the Smoking Syndicate. We're doing a cigar review tonight of the La Madonna Negra Corona Gorda. Yes, from Black Works Studio, excuse me, from Black Label Trading Company, uh, celebrating their 10th anniversary. James Brown is the master blender coming out of Oveja Negra Cigars in Esteli, Nicaragua. The wrapper is American Connecticut Broadleaf with a binder, Ecuadorian Habano. Filler is from Nicaragua undisclosed and Pennsylvania as well not specified if it's broadly or not so it is American Pennsylvania uh inside the filler as well so that's the cigar we're going to be removing reviewing tonight we are there are three sizes that were available uh in this particular cigar um and um with uh this the they, there was the Rothschild which is a box press four and a half by 48 uh there was a Corona Gorda, which we'll be reviewing tonight. Five and a half by 50, also box press. And the La Madonna Negra Robusta box press, a five by 54. Now, uh Ben, we're doing the Corona Gorda tonight. I guess the first thing, um, I mean, James loves these nerdy sizes and everything, but I, I I if I ever get a chance to ask him this question, a five and a half by 50 is not really a corona gorda, but I still dig the size, so I really don't care what he calls it. He could call it anything he wants. So
1: yeah, it's exactly. like See, that's what's weird, right? So I have I have two of them here. One that he gave me at the show. That mm-hmm. was his personal stash. And then I have this that's it doesn't say so. Look on the back on the sticker, it does not say Corona Gordon. It doesn't say anything. It just says five and a half by 50. Yes. Right. Now I got this one. This is the one he gave me. Now look at them. That's the, I mean they're the same length. But this one is noticeably thinner. Yeah, smaller ring gauge. So what the hell is that? I mean, that's unless you got the
0: the one that's mislabeled, the one that might be mislabeled. The the thicker one might be the fifty-four. The five by. It could be.
1: I don't know. This is. I actually bought this at my local cigar shop, BME Tobacconist. So this came right off the shelf.
2: Sure.
1: So I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. It's really weird. So I don't know. It's actually not only. I'll see if you can see it. It's hard to see with the with that on there. But it's actually smaller. You know, ring gauge that way as well. I mean, it's just smaller. I don't know. It's like a forty-eight or something. If this is a fifty, yeah, five and a half by fifty. This is noticeably thinner. Yes. Oh, I don't know. It's freaking weird. But this is the one that he. That he pulled out of his personal stash at the trade show. It's not a show sample
0: that he gave me. No, oh, yeah, no, he pulled it out. We pulled out a couple outside of a stash. Um, yep. so
1: anyway, I think so I we're think, doing I think, the five think, and a half by fifty.
0: That's right. We're doing the five and a half by fifty. Yes. So um, first of all, really just I I love I love the the branding of it. Um I I really like that there's, you know, there is it's it's a 10th anniversary cigar, but it doesn't say anything about it. doesn't say anything about it. It's like a total James Round thing to do, I feel like. It's like a total Ovehanegra. We are black sheep. Like it's a 10th anniversary cigar. We're yeah. just not going to say it anywhere on the label. But um I dig the labeling. I think it's fantastic. Um, um you know, he always with black label, he has that very gothic theme. So kind of like it definitely makes sense. And, uh, it's cool that he, uh, that he got to, that he got to do something with this, uh, this name and, uh, he has some of the coolest names in the business, you know? So uh, it's a, it's a good looking cigar, uh, very rustic, you know, very broad leaf. Yeah. Um, but nice, uh, nice oils to it a little bit, a little bit of sheen, um, but not terribly so, uh, but very rustic and everything. So, uh, what about your, what kind of jumps out to you, Ben?
1: Yeah, my—I mean, this one right here is the—the wrapper is really smooth, really smooth. I mean, broadly to me, it's never a good-looking wrapper to me. I mean, it always looks rustic, right? I mean, it's never been—it's not a beauty beauty queen ever to me. I don't think so. But it does have like that beautiful rusticated look to it, and I mean, it's a—it's got a little bit of like slight color variations on it, which I kind of like I kind of like the way it looks. To be honest, you know, like I don't know if the camera will pick it up, but a little bit along the edges, it's a little bit darker where the seam is mm-hmm. compared to some of the other wrapper, which I, I like. Cool looking True. cap's really nice, very well applied cap, beautiful triple cap. I love it. Yeah, and it's a great box press too, like a really solid box press.
0: You know, like Glasserite's box press. You know, he does some other some other box press. Um, you know, but, um, but I, I, I just like, I like James cause he, uh, when he does with his blending, it's just like, I mean, it typically, I mean, his cigars are a little, I mean, I know you like some of his stuff, but like typically mm-hmm. a lot of his stuff is not necessarily in your traditional wheelhouse, but he has a right. way of doing yeah. it that it's like, you're like, okay, this is really good, you know? And, but I like how he experiments with sizes. I like on the Black Work side how he gets he taps into his artistic side, you know. I even like what he does with Emilio. Um, I've always been a fan of the Grimalkin, the annual release that he does with that, and so I mean some good stuff, man. And lots to celebrate ten years. I mean, congratulations to to, to James and Angel and the entire Black uh, Black Sheep crew. Um, we're gonna dive into this cigar. So, um, you want to go ahead and cut it, Ben, and uh, we'll give it yes. first thoughts, and then we'll we'll cut it there and go on after we light it, I guess. Yeah, I'm take this off. Yeah, we got the a footband foot band. on it, by, yeah, Madonna Negro on the footband,
2: black cross. This is a box
1: press. I used to always V-cut these. Just a thing. I always do
0: that with a box press. So you're V-cutting it? But
1: yeah, I'm gonna V-cut it.
0: Okay. I'm still gonna guillotine it because I just I don't know how to quit. <laughs> Jimmy Miyudo of uh, of um, Quality Importers gave me a fantastic V cutter. Uh, really rivals that Calibri, you know that deep cut Calibri that you, I know you're a fan of. Um, that yeah, you have, that's right? what I used. So he so it turns yep. out he actually designed that because he used to work for Calibri. He designed that one, and then he did another one with Palio that you know we we reviewed that night. We talked about it and everything. Dude, it was the deep dude. I got to show you this thing is the deepest V I've ever seen. It's fucking crazy. It's nuts absolutely nice. insane i'll
1: to check that one out
0: yeah so i'm speaking of palio um i'm going to be using a palio lighter to light this single jet
1: the and official toast. unofficial lighter of the cube coalition
0: yeah the the official unofficial uh i finally got one so <laughs> this kid
1: yeah i got a perfect draw on this too that milkshake draw
2: yeah the draw is fantastic
0: I'll tell you what, that toasted foot, that aroma, I mean, that singed, man, like straight spice, like tickles the nostrils, man, like, you're, like your eyes are already starting to water, but it's good. Like, there's also some nice earthiness to it. Uh,
1: That's what I get on the cold. Wrong. I get like earthiness, some leather, and some like black cherry notes as well, Real, a little bit sweetness.
0: The uh the cold draw for me, I I I did I actually did it and I didn't talk about it, but like the cold draw for me was like there was like this also this, there was like this nice nuttiness too. There's like this almond kind of background a little bit. That's where I kind of got some of the sweetness. Um a little dry fruit, so yeah. Didn't
2: pinpoint his cherry mm-hmm. though. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah, I got one of the, the new um de Maxi Jet with the wide flame. I want to try it on this. Damn thing sounds like a jet engine. Yeah.
0: I love this part of the review because, like, people who are like listening to it later, they just have this silence, and you ever hear this like puff going on this
2: in the microphone. It's like
0: (laughs) it's like we're because we're sitting here contemplating it, so it's like gotta fill it with something.
2: Yeah, man, it's got like a really smooth, nice spice note on here. Yeah, I'm taking a couple of. I mean, have John? Have, have you drawn a couple times already? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. That room note is. I, I mean, I'm
1: sitting outside, but man, this this room note is really good. Yeah, but I found that kind of a common thing with all the black works you know, Black Label Trading Company of Blackwork Studio cigars, you know.
0: I've yeah, I tend to I tend to like the aroma on the cigars uh quite a bit. The um I don't know what it is about and I love the cigar. I love the cigar, so don't take this the wrong way, James. But and that's okay. Like it just like for me the aroma on the um, um Oh no, I lost my train of thought. So he turned me on to it. So it's the it's the morphine and it's the petite the petite uh, torpedo. And it was only in this patrol that I noticed it. There was something about the aroma. I can't even tell you. It's not like it smelled like shit, but there was something yeah. about the aroma that just like I don't like that. But smoking it, it dissipated, and that was a fucking hell of a smoke. Like I, I mean, really, really liked it. But there was something yeah. about the aroma, like where I sat it down, I came back to it, I'm like, oh, that's not good, and I was like, oh crap, what's it gonna taste like? You know, I mean, I, I mean, I sat it down for like a minute and a half or something like that. I mean, I just literally went go grab a drink or something, and yeah. uh, and I came back and I was like, oh, that's that doesn't smell good. But I just took a puff off it, I was like, okay, well, no, it's fine, it's great, it's really interesting. Again, it's just like I said, <laughs> it didn't smell like shit or anything like putrid or rancid it wasn't like anything like that volatile yeah whatever it was no it wasn't even that like whatever it was it just like didn't really agree with my olfactory senses like just like that's weird but um but yeah man this um first couple puffs here uh really nice deep earthiness little sweetness that you're talking about with that dried fruit i'm getting this nice little chili paste fire in the back off the off the finish on the retro
2: yeah that's, that's what should be about that always reminds me of like dried
1: chilies or something yeah for but, sure well i, I kind of what it reminds me of a little bit is it's gonna have a, no connection to anybody else but when I make chili right i i i i toast my dried chilies a little bit sure and then i you know, put them in a blender with some beef stock and stuff and some garlic and i blend it all together and make like a it's like it's like a chili uh like you're supposed to liquefy chilies right and I put that at the base of my chili but when I'm making, you know, uh, chili, traditional chili, it it almost has that little bit of that flavor like that, like it's got a this deep, rich chili flavor, not so much just spicy
2: hot. You know, it's, it's almost like that the flavor of it. Yeah, I um, I I I really like.
0: Um, using chilies that way, so I I make chili Colorado, um, doing it with the same fashion, you know, right, like yeah. where you to- you toast the chilies and stuff like that. It like it just releases those oils and stuff. Like I didn't really realize what that like. I thought it was just like like when I first started cooking and sort first started getting into it. I just thought it like because it didn't really, it doesn't really change the look of the dried chili. And it doesn't really even change the texture. Like you're still pulling out, Mm -hmm. like they're still hard. They're still dry and everything. But I've tried it enough times where I've actually, like I tried enough times early on where I would like forget that step. (laughs) And you can tell the difference.
2: It's insane. Yeah, absolutely percent
0: It's crazy. So uh, when you make chili, what are some of your your dry chilies that you like to use?
1: pastilla guajillo new mexico um what else i'm missing one i use four minimum four chilies ancho ancho
0: ancho is my favorite my favorite chili my favorite chili powder fucking love it it's great yeah
1: mine's actually guajillo i love guajillo peppers guajillo peppers are my favorite
0: i love chilies but that's just me uh i do too so
1: and I'm, so I'm getting also I'm, to me now that, that sweetness from what you call it, dry fruit, but I, I get something like dry fruit, but I getting a little bit of, it's like a black cherry is what I get. Like, it's like, I get a little bit of that and I get that toasty, uh, nuttiness that you were talking about earlier when you got on the cold draw, I did not necessarily get on the cold roll, but I'm getting it now. Yeah. Uh, okay. The beginning of the cigar it's really nice.
0: Yeah, it's nice. It's I really like it, man. I think it's good. It's really-
1: I do too. So let's uh we'll uh, pause it here and we'll come back at the end of the first third and we'll let you know how it is. See you in a second. All right, it's not there for the YouTube. Yeah, this is this is really good. This this intro to this cigar, the first you know, half an inch I'm into it is really tasty. Yeah, really good flavors.
0: I, um, this is not your first one. I think, like, it's worth noting, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, the, it's not mine either. Um, but I think it's worth noting that, and, and I don't know how you feel about this opinion, Ben. So I'm interested to get your thoughts. The, for me, the cigar
2: tastes, um,
0: not not like there's n- this is very different than like typical james brown like and he's he's very 100%. capable he's very capable of like he it's not like he has like i mean he does have a signature i feel like but like he he's kind of broad stroked a lot of different stuff i mean the rave from dissident yeah. that he does for dissident was my number one cigar of the year that's a more mild cigar um with amazing flavor um you know he's the porcelain for his own lines and so like you know, I mean, it's not like he's incapable of building nuance. It's to the con- absolutely on the contrary. Like, but there's something about this. And when you think, when you look at the blend too, like, I think it's really interesting because these are some really hearty, rustic, deep flavor tobaccos. And there's a lot of, like, at least early on, there's some really nice, we've talked about delicate nuances, the nuttiness, the oh, dark fruit. Yes. You know, like, it's just, you know, I think it's interesting.
1: And it's very well balanced. Yeah. So you, you get sweet, savory, right? All together, nuttiness. And it's all of that is so well balanced so far in this cigar. Like you're you're you right about one thing. Like I if you would have handed me this and said this came from a Negra, I would have never said it was part of the standard, you know, black label trading company line. I would have said this was Black Work Studio. Black Works Studio. Yeah. Yeah, because that's it, where yeah, that's it, where he has it, more
0: fun, like fun. That's what we always talk
1: about. Right. Yeah. That's also my style of cigars is, is more on the black works, right? Yeah. So this to me is more in the same line of like the S and R and my beloved sinistry, which I absolutely love the Sinistry. This is more like those cigars than like the last rites, you know, or anything over on that side. You know, well, I, like I, I call it like two different sides, it's like Dr. Jekyll, Mr.
0: Hyde kind of thing, well, but it's... like, a, go ahead. No, no, no. Finish, please.
1: I was going to say like, for me, the black label trading company lines, right? Not what I call the black label ones all have this kind of the same thing, right? They're really kind of powerhouses, really forward, real, real, you know, punchy, right? They, they just... They're not. They're not as. They're they're not as smooth, and as um uh, like like this cigar. Like this cigar has got a smoothness to it. Really well balanced. To me, it's almost like um like jazz versus death metal. That was kind of how how it is. You know, like it's real rough, more aggressive. To me, the Black Label Trading Company lines versus, you know, stuff on the Blackwork Studio. You know that's so. That's why to me this doesn't even kind of fit in there. Not saying that that, that there's anything wrong with the black label trading company stuff. Like it's, I I, I do like it, but I like the black the black varsity stuff a lot better because it's more more sullen finesse and more well balanced to me than the flavor bombs that are over powerhouse flavor bombs that are on the black label. You know. So and this one. You know what? I think maybe it's kind of a bridge between the two, actually, you know, kind of reminds me of that, but we'll talk more about this at the end of the, we'll see, you know, we, like I said, we've, we've smoked quite a few of these already, <laughs> you know, we know our buddy Aaron has gone through a ton already as well. Even if he can't say the name.
0: Yeah. He always like inverts the name and stuff. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's great. man. between the three of you guys, I want to teach you how to like say Spanish words correctly. So it's ironic because you, with your Southern charm and Southern draw and everything, I think you get the closer out of everyone. Coop's probably the worst. Um, yes, for sure. So, I know. <laughs> but, um, But, uh so here, so here was a question that I wanted to kick things off with while we're kind of in between and kind of smoking this first third down. Uh, and, and so I, it's a pretty loaded question, but there are a couple for me that kind of stood out. You know, over the years and everything, um, but I wanted to get your take, like on some of your favorite. This is again, this is their tenth anniversary cigar for Black Label Company, the Black Label Trading Company. What's your? What are some of your favorite anniversary cigars?
2: Oh man! Or milestones um, cigars.
0: I will call them, and I mean, yeah, I mean, anniversary. I guess.
2: Um.
1: Well, I. I really like uh, the Espadosa, the 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 one that we came out with last year, the 10th yeah. anniversary. That I yeah, thought that Espinoza was a fantastic cigar. Was that was a great one. Yeah, that was
0: one of my Unlimiteds, Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, I really like that one. Um, I I really like the Perdomo anniversary cigars. You know, but I, to me, the best of them all, Padron. I mean, yeah. the it's Padron pay, right? anniversary series. Holy shit! I, it's like they don't. There's hardly any duds, right? Yeah. Um, they're phenomenal. Like the 80th, to me, is one of the finest cigars in the market. Pedron 80th, I think, it's fantastic. You know. Um, oh, another one, the Opus 20th. I mean, that's that's an amazing smoke. Um, I think it's some other ones off the top of my head. That's the ones I smoked the most of by far. Um, I've been smoking a ton of the, of the, uh, Perdomo anniversaries. Uh, so, but the 20th, the twenty the, per, uh, the Perdomo 20th sun grown is one of my favorite cigars they've ever put out. I think it's fantastic. Love that cigar. What about you? What's some of the ones you like?
0: Man, I can never get this cigar out of my head. I like you as the Padron, the Padron 46 Maduro is still my jam. Will always be my favorite cigar that they've ever made. Even better than the 50th for me. Even better than the 90th or the, the, you know, the 80th. I I think those cigars are great. I'm not knocking them at all. But the 46 Maduro is probably the best. But the cigar that I can never get out of my head. And I, every time I see it, I'll pick one up or two or, or several. But I love the blend. I love, and I'm a big Vitola snob. And I loved it in every single Vitola, including the box press Salomon that they did. Um, And that was the Quesada 40th anniversary. I fucking love this. Yeah. Yeah. God, it's so good. Holy shit. Yep. I fucking love that cigar. It's so goddamn good. I, it, uh, man, it's it's fantastic. Really rich. And it's got this, like, it's got this creaminess about it, too, that's almost kind of like, it's, it's, it's almost like, it's, it's almost got like milkshake to it, but there's just this balance of spice. That's like not overwhelming, but it's like perfectly just balanced. The draw is usually pretty phenomenal in that regard. And the burn is always excellent. I'll even love the color of the ash. Like I'm thinking about that cigar now, Um And I just, I dig that. I dig that cigar. I absolutely dig it. Um, I mean, there's some others, of course, that I really enjoy, um, obviously. Um, I thought the 25th anniversary uh, cigar from La Florida Minicana was incredible. Coop and I talked about that on a recent show. Yeah. um, I thought that was sensational. Um, But... I think I think you remember the cigar man. It was a couple years back, Davidoff's fiftieth anniversary of Diademus.
2: Yes, that
1: was freaking spectacular. That was spectacular, insane. Yep, I still have a few too upstairs, yeah, in my office. Fantastic cigar. Oh, you know another one I thought of that that um, actually, Coop and I reviewed this several months back was actually the uh, Manuel sala. 75th have you had mm-hmm. that one yet
0: the That's 70 so yeah good. the 75th is good it's good
1: it's really 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 good dude they,
0: they've been on a tear man they've been just cranking out bangers though. i know league real the league the casa magna league f the casa magna connecticut like just fucking bangers dude like it's just crazy it's just oh crazy. the
1: one that they released this year the 15 yeah it's fantastic it was so good so and good. that was a show sample that i had i haven't yeah. seen that in the wild yet
0: and the show uh, sample, I, I, which
1: is usually shit, are really good.
0: Yeah, that was that's really good. The um the uh, 175th H Upman. Ooh. That was fucking insane. That was an insane cigar. And then we we were talking again, we were talking I talked about this recently last week. I had Jennifer Truon on from Altadis, Altadis USA, and we were talking about um, you know, obviously the Monte Cristo Diamante. But the OG nineteen thirty five anniversary cigar is fucking insane. It's so good.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's one of our coalition favorites right there for sure.
2: Uh, so so got to go with the flip side of this, right? What are some du- duds or missteps? I guess some duds. Hmm. I think it was some that were just terrible. I don't well, think it was. A, I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 it's fine. I was going to say I, one, I, one.
1: I had a long, I had a long time ago. It was, it was, you know, QB Aliados, um, but it was the Peros Maximus that they came out with an anniversary one. And something about that cigar was so vile that I remember leaving, leaving work and driving back home and I lit it up on the way home and I'm getting up on the interstate and I'm sitting there smoking. And I'm like, oh my God, this thing is so, so accurate. It was horrendous. Oh, it sucks, man. And I, I had, dude, I threw it right out the window in the middle of the interstate. I could not even take it. That was probably the worst. One of the worst you've ever, ever had. Period. Um, oh, I probably think of one that I've had more recently. I can't think of any more recently that was just really bad. Really, um, I don't know. I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. What about you? You got any you think of? Well,
0: I think there's a couple of missteps. Like, um, like i I'll, I'll, for me, like, dude, I with you, like, locks you know, in lockstep with the Espinosa ten. Right, mm-hmm. but on the flip side of that, the La 10th anniversary celebration, yeah. the factory's anniversary, did not hit my palate. Did not my... I, did, I and
1: didn't. And it's like so
0: it. weird because Hector, Hector, Hector's got my palate, dude, locked in. Like, there's just rarely a cigar where I'm just like, eh, you know. But for whatever reason, that cigar just didn't have my palate. I think it was just, I think it was a, it was really earthy, and mm-hmm. I, I yes. and I. Remember that about it and And it just it kind of There was I mean there were some characteristics About it but it just kind of just muddied the water A little bit and then um but I thought yeah. He fucking just rocked The Espinosa 10 like I just thought It was just a fun I was my, was One of my uh, honorable mentions last year uh On top of the yeah. fact that I gave Him number one he got in they got a number one And they got an honorable mention so I mean Kudos to them so it's not like I'm Knocking them <laughs> I'll still get Some hate mail on yeah like, I'm
1: with you on the La Zona Ten. I did not like that cigar, and I remember I bought like I probably bought like nine or ten of those cigars. And I remember when they first came in. I bought it, immediately, smoked one right there in the shop, and man, it tasted off. It tasted real off. And um, I text Hector, and I'm like, "Man, was, you know, what's kind of going on with this one?" He's like, "He said, let me ask you, did it was did it seem kind of wet?" I'm like. Yeah, it did seem like that. You know, it's like, he said, we've had a few people reporting that were coming a little bit too wet. So he said, do me a favor, put them up your humidor and try them again in about a month. I said, okay. And I did that and it was better, but it was like, you were saying, like it had a really earthy earthiness to it. That made it a little bit too bitter for me. And I, I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't care for it. Right. And I, but I kept, you know, I kept trying to come back to it and come back to it, but it would just. It it never it was never something that really hit my palate, so I kind of just gave up on it, you know. Mm-hmm. But that one, I forgot about that one because, yeah, it was one that I just could never. I kept coming back to it, trying thinking it was going to change, and it, that one never did. No, I never did care for that one.
0: So yeah, so it's interesting because like we talked about like the ones that are like I really liked. So I have another one from La Florida Minicana. I don't think it's again a miss. It. I like it. Uh, but the 20th anniversary that they did, like in the jars, like, first of all, the jars were amazing. I really enjoyed the cigar. I don't think it ever, like, the, <laughs> I'm talking about the Florida Dominicana 1994, which was celebrating the 20th anniversary of the Florida Dominicana. And I, for me, I like that blend a lot. Um, but it just, for whatever reason, it just, I mean, it, it's, it's not the standard typical the florida minnecone it's i think it kind of fell victim or fell in that same column as like coronado which you, it was just misunderstood because yeah. coronado is a phenomenal i love the,
1: the corn i agree i love the coronado i freaking love that line so i get it
2: yeah
0: i think it's it's just interesting um and like that's why I say like missteps like I, I couldn't think of any duds either but I thought if you know you, you've you've been smoking longer than I have I figured that like if if there had been one that you probably would have remembered it a lot easier and stuff um I hear I mean here's one uh I'll say this I'll say this out loud um obviously because I'm on this podcast um the Underground 10 I'd rather smoke an Underground Sungrown I'd rather smoke an Underground OG toss on
2: a shade oh that's interesting to me and the hierarchy of that is
1: the shade the tin the og and then the sungro i
0: yeah, think you know i've had this sun conversation grown, now like you don't like sun? i think that's fucking great i thought willie i thought willie knocked it out of the park
1: well here's the thing right so when the sun sungrown first came out i wasn't a fan i didn't i didn't hate it I didn't dislike it. I just thought it was kind of meh, right? No big deal. But let me tell you something. You put just a little bit of age on those suckers. Holy shit. They are amazing. They are so good. But when they first came out, I didn't really care for them. That's a cigar line that actually grew on me as time went on. I actually did enjoy them, you know? And uh, so I kind of hated to see them kill that line (laughs) off, you know? But I, I still would prefer, and it's probably because we were in Nicaragua when they introduced the Undercrown. So uh, there, there was a media trip down there at that time. And I remember they put out the Undercrown out, right? And it was just being released, right? Nobody really has had it yet. And they had all the, they had Liga number nines and had T 52s out there for us to smoke and some other stuff. Of course, we're all smoking Ligas and T 52s. And then I went and I was like, you know, I want something different. So I grabbed the Undercrown and I smoked it. I'm like, holy shit, this is really good. You know, it was kind of like the merger of the 9 and the T-52 is I really like this. So people were like, oh, what are you smoking? I'm like, I'm, I grabbed one of those Undercrowns. So we, dude, at the end of that trip, we were pretty much all smoking Undercrowns. Mm-hmm. And kind of ignoring the the Liga and the T fifty two because it's not 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 that they were bad but we had just smoked so many we wanted to change a pace right mm-hmm. and this was different enough where you got you got the the skeleton basically of a number nine T fifty two but just the way it was blended with this merger of those two it just gave you something different. And I, I don't know, I, I guess that's stuck in my head. So when I think Undercrown, I think of the OG, right? Mm-hmm. And the shade is my style of Connecticut. I love it because it's like that ramped up cr- but creamy Connecticut, you know, and that was Willie's first blend with them. And mm-hmm. I just I really loved it, especially in the Grand Toro size, it's phenomenal. So that's really more my style than anything. That's why I put the shade just above the OG, really. But the tenth to me was almost like the OG on steroids a little bit, like a little bit richer and deeper than a regular OG. So it's kind of where I, I put them like that, like shade tenth OG and then sungrow. But you can't go wrong with either damn one of them. To be totally honest, I'm not going to turn either one of them away
2: if somebody hands me one. <laughs> of course. Sure. No, well,
1: I think the samples.
0: one. I think the yeah, I was going to say I think the, the one that we're. I think it's funny that both of us forgot the cigar, and you think about it, considering it's you,
2: right? Um, the anniversary cigar of the of Opus X, the twentieth anniversary of Opus X. The... No, I did. I mentioned that in the, the once the first
0: ones. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I miss? Oh, because oh, I think we were, you we were talking about. We jumped over to padron, so um really quickly there. So I missed it. I apologize. Yeah, no, I the uh what is it? What's that is it God's whisper is the 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 figurato? Is that the size? I think so. Yeah. I think I think that's gotta be it. That's that smoking that Casa Fuente a couple years ago with you guys. That was just fucking sensational, man. Just sensational. Yeah. Man. Yeah, it's good stuff. So that's
1: a special cigar, but you know how I am about my Opus X. So
0: for sure. All right. I'm done with the first third. What about you?
1: Yep. Me too. I was about to say the same thing. So
2: let's go back in. All right. Three, two,
0: one. We're back here on a special edition of the Smoky Syndicate and L.S. Fumar takes coming together. Uh, We are reviewing, of course, the uh, L.A. madonna Negra from black label trading company their 10th anniversary milestone cigar we've we are smoking the corona Gordo size five and a half by 50 box press we are done with our first third so ben what were some of your initial impressions
1: i really really like this uh, to me it's very well balanced with uh, i mean what i'm getting is earthiness a little bit of leather that kind of dry fruit black cherry note and like an almond paste note, like uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, the nuttiness we're getting, um, kind of reminds me of like almond paste. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also getting a little bit of black pepper now that I kind of wasn't getting when we first lit it up, but I'm getting a little bit now as well. Um, kind of on the retro hell, too. On the retro hell, is very interesting because it's almost bready with black pepper, and right. I'm not really getting that on the palate but i get that when i retro hill which is kind of weird you know but it's it's like a bready nutty and black pepper on the retro hill but um and it has a really long finish which is something i really really love i love a long finish on a cigar and this is giving me that um and i would say it's you know it's full body and both in flavor and strength as well that's what what are you getting on it in the first third
0: yeah um it's it's funny you mentioned the breadiness i think that the the baking spices that i'm getting in in addition to like on the retro that you're talking about so i get that nutmeg uh kind of you know baking spice a little bit it's a little more sharp but i am getting that breadiness it's interesting so uh you're talking about i can get the definitely a sourdough note i was going to say uh and um And it's, it's, it's sourdough, you know, like when people say sour, like, oh, sour, you know, like, no, but it's really balanced by the spice level. I don't know what your lips are feeling like right now. Mine are tingly, man, like straight up. There's a lot of spice characteristic on the cigar. There's a lot on the mouthfeel. I am getting some nice balance with that almond paste that you're talking about. Um, I was, uh, um, it kind of reminds me of like some of these, like some of these like German Christmas cookies that have like almonds you know they're really heavy on the almond on the almond flavor and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um and then the earthiness is still there um the leather's kind of gone from the least from the uh, initial onset of the dry draw and stuff uh but um my draw is still sensational my burns a little wonky the ash is a little flowery but you know what i'm enjoying it so we're gonna keep going yeah
1: i mean my burn is a little wonky too but you know on a box press it's always wonky. so i don't even i don't even mention it or care because i i don't think i've ever had a box press a burn straight none (sighs) right so but yeah i think it's very well balanced with all those flavors like i said the the nutty the earthy the sweet the savory it's all very well balanced it's smoking really well too Um, Oh, something else I was going to mention, too. The mouthfeel of the smoke is almost viscous. Like, it's kind of weight. It's got a, a weight to it, which is really nice. I love that, too. I think that's kind a, of going back to what we're talking about the Underground. The underground, I get the same thing, where it's almost a oh, viscous yeah. kind of a smoke. This one has that same characteristic. I, it's really
0: nice. There's some really nice chewiness to it. Like, it reminds me. Do you remember the original, the original... A J Fernandez, Pinolero, Maduro. I know you're not yeah. a huge fan of, of his stuff sometimes, but that's true. But I love the Pinolero. that was a really good. That had that really kind of dank earth. It just kind of sat with nice spice components to it. Um, that had this kind of this this like almost kind of a little citrus brightness to it. That's what I recall from it. But it was very weighted smoke. It was just like really heavy on the palate. Um, that I really enjoyed. That. So yeah, it's really good. Um, I think
1: we covered this one. Are you got some more? No, that's it. I was like, I think we covered the first third pretty good. We'll go ahead and we'll
2: finish the the second third and we'll be back to let you know how it is. See you in a second. All right, pause.
0: Yeah, man. I'm 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 enjoying this cigar. I, I like I said I think it's different than anything he's done. But it's really, yeah, I'm really enjoying it um, in this particular vitola. So this is this is good. So, um, kind of uh, really interested to see how the cigar finishes, obviously. Um, but wanted to get on with a couple of our. What we like to call our fun segments here on Ellis Fumar Takes. And of course, we have to move on to our presidential trivia segment, which is brought to you by United Cigars, reaching La Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, bandolero garofalo Firecracker, and the highly acclaimed Adabe Byron. And now Alfonso Lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living united. So, um, you know, Ben, you have a, you have a military background, you know, you're, you're, you're married to a person in the military and uh, your wife uh, has probably been in service. You, uh, you have, uh, I have, you know, I'm a son of a veteran too. And so I thought it would be fun to tie in this. And we were talking about anniversaries and I thought about this interesting question and I thought about like, this is, this would be pretty cool to ask. So, um, Which U.S. president deliberately chose not to commemorate a milestone anniversary for D-Day? So we're talking June 6, 1944. Um, So that would be the 10th anniversary, 20th and 30th and so on. So I've got four answers for you. So we'll start with, was it Ronald Reagan who deliberately chose not to celebrate the 40th anniversary of D-Day? Was it Dwight D. Eisenhower who oh. deliberately chose not to sell, commemorate and celebrate the 10th anniversary of D-Day on the 10th anniversary? Was it Richard Nixon? You see, he was, a, he was the president during the 30th anniversary. Or was it Lyndon Baines Johnson, who happened to be president during the 20th anniversary? Okay. Ronald I think Reagan. I know. Dwight D. Eisenhower. I know it wasn't
1: Reagan. I know for a fact it was a Reagan because Reagan did it at Normandy, he actually was, in, if I remember right, he went to Normandy and celebrated
0: it, if I remember yeah. right. Yeah, a thousand percent. You're absolutely right, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it was a so, big deal. Him and Obama, too. Obama did it for the 70th.
1: Yes. Um, I would say Ike. And this is why I say Ike, right? Because he was there. He was. It was his idea. He's the one that ordered the whole thing, Mm -hmm. right? Supreme Allied Commander. And my dad was in Vietnam, and I know how he was when he came back and how he interacted with other veterans. I would have to say Ike because, I don't know, I I guess they going off how my dad was. When they meet other veterans, or they have to deal with other veterans. Like my dad personally didn't like it, because um, it reminded him of being that he lost, or you know bad times, bad things, or you know he felt guilt to a uh, probably survivor's guilt. And I imagine Eisenhower was the same way. So, because I uh, that's kind of a guess because I I don't know if Nick's about Nixon or LBJ. I doubt I doubt they would have done that. So
0: well, so it's interesting. Yeah, I so okay. So great answer. That is the correct answer. And I have some thoughts on that, but it's actually kind of funny that I use the word deliberately chose not to commemorate because Ronald Reagan is actually the only one on this list that actually deliberately commemorated D-Day. So it, it's it's crazy. One of the most iconic dates that have etched into the history classes since the moment it happened June 6 1945 they were talking about June 6 1944 you know in classrooms so it's it's interesting that these next due dates so so let's take the 20th anniversary Lyndon Baines Johnson is president June 6 1964 what had just happened
1: JFK's assassination. Yeah,
0: Kennedy had just shot. He'd been in office for only a few months, you know, and you know, obviously the Warren Report, all this other stuff. So, like, every all this stuff's going on. So, yeah, there really wasn't much done on the 20th anniversary. And June 6, 1974, is the 30th anniversary. Richard Nixon's president.
2: What's going on then? Watergate. Yeah.
0: So isn't it interesting that it took to the 40th anniversary, 40 years later, a president finally deliberately commemorates D-Day. And it was like one of his best speeches, Ronald Reagan's, apparently. Like it was like one of the most renowned, like, like things of his presidency. Like it was, he's known for that. So like, it's, it's, it's interesting that you remember that. So, but um, I think it's, I think it's crazy that, um, it took years for, you know, I mean, not saying anything bad about any of those presidents necessarily. I mean, even Nixon. Yeah. There was just a lot of other stuff going on, you know, but it's crazy. Circumstances and stuff, but I deliberately, I, I had, so here are my thoughts on it, Ben. So I think that, you know, for us, you know,
2: I mean, hell, you know, 80 years later, 79 years later, right? Um, For us, it's like, it's a very memorable date and it's
0: something that should be remembered, should be honored. But 10 years later, the man who ordered it led it for all intents and purposes, right? He was actually on the beach. But we know the cost of D-Day,
2: the human cost. And he's the one who gave the
0: order, right? You know, FDR signed off on it, everything like that, but he's the one who gave the order. Mm-hmm. So he essentially ordered the death of hundreds, thousands of men
2: that day. So yeah, I don't think I'd want to celebrate it either. So I don't,
0: I don't blame him. Yeah.
2: I don't blame him. Yeah. <clears throat> Actually,
1: my great uncle actually was one of the, uh, in the ranger battalion that uh, I cannot remember the beach name, but, um, it was kind of a little piece of D-Day history that a lot of people don't know about, but prior to the D-Day landings, it was actually a fake landing to draw mm-hmm. German troops away from, uh, the main beaches of Normandy. That's correct. Uh, the ranger battalion actually scaled Alley. a cliff.
0: Calais. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah, but I cannot remember the name of that beach that was there that they called it the name of it. But anyway, they scaled they scaled this massive wall to basically feign attack over there to draw out some of Rommel's forces. Yeah. So to make it try to make it easier on the beach landing, and which it did. It did. Yeah. So well they had leaked Kima out that, that Patton was imagine. up there.
0: They had leaked out that Patton yeah. was leading it because they, they Patton was yeah. nowhere near June 6th. He was nowhere near Normandy. Mm-hmm. And but they had leaked it out that they wanted because they wanted everyone to think because the Germans, in particular, Rama was convinced that Patton was going to lead the invasion. And you yep. know, he had he had actually gotten into trouble. This was over like the slap soldier incident, etc. And um, but they all they thought that was all fodder. They thought that was all bullshit to to try and like throw off the Germans, like the like rama was convinced like how do you let your best commander not lead this invasion and right yeah so it was the ultimate dupe man the ultimate dupe and well well executed
1: yeah Um, he survived too survived all that yeah so that was kind of a personal piece of d-day for my family anyway yeah but uh If if Hitler would have taken the reins off of Rommel too, you know that D Day might have ended up differently. So that's true. People don't know how big of a of a point that was the teeter on on a massive victory to complete total military disaster that was really it's unbelievable. So it's it's something else. Pretty cool. That was a good question, man. I liked it. Yeah, good stuff.
0: So that was our Presidential Trivia segment brought to you by United Cigars featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, Firecracker, and the highly acclaimed Atabay Byron, and the Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living United. Um, Almost done with my second, third here, But before we do, we want to give a special nod. This is our charity segment of tonight's show. Give a special nod to our good friend, Mr. William Cooper, uh, who's on his way back from the DFW area. He was out here at the McAuliffe Open House, hung out with me the last couple of days. It's fantastic to see our good friends. And, uh, you know, I'm always pleased that we can do this, man, but uh, bring some awareness to the great organization of Sepsis Alliance, man. It's a fantastic org um that he's really involved with really believes in and uh you know it's 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 always quite great, great to be a at contention to it because it's not very big we always say that every time it's it's you know the, the 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 dollar donations really impact this charity it really goes a long way so every everything you can spare is really great
1: yeah definitely i mean it's that's actually sepsis has affected so many people yeah. You no, know, it's it's so debilitating that any any help provided is gonna be huge. Anything. Anything is is grateful.
0: Yeah, no, I and I think that uh, I'm gonna post it here in the obviously in the the chat and it'll go in the show notes later. But like again, if you don't know if you're just tuning into the show and you've never heard us talk about sepsis, right? Um you know, Coop's got an amazing story. Um and you need to definitely check out this. I mean, like you said, it affects so many people, and it it there's so many signs for it. You know, and a lot of it, a lot of hospitalization issues are are septic shock. It's septic, you know, it's sepsis, right? That's the problem. But there, sepsis can occur outside of the hospital, and that's just like one of the debunked myths that you know, it, and information that's available on this website. So, like, know the signs, and uh, you know, you could potentially save lives and then you know if you feel so called man donate to a good cause because it's fantastic it's a great it's a great cause
1: yeah like Coop always says at least go to the site and get a little bit educated in it so Mm -hmm. in case it ever does happen you will recognize the effects side effects or whatever
2: and know what you need to go get it go get help before it's too late absolutely
0: All right. Well, Ben, are you ready to talk about the, uh, you ready to talk about the second, third of the cigar? Yeah, we can do it.
2: All right. Three, two, one. And we're back again
0: with another special edition of the Smoking Syndicate and... L.S. Fumar Takes. We are reviewing a cigar tonight. Yes, the black label trading company La Madonna Negra, which is celebrating the 10th anniversary of black label trading company, and we are smoking the Corona uh, Gorda box press five and a half by 50. Uh, Just a rehash on the blend, the wrapper is Connecticut, U.S. Connecticut Broadleaf, the binder is Ecuadorian Habano, the filler is Undisclosed Nicaraguan and Pennsylvania from the good old U.S. of A, again, uh, five and a half by 50 box press Corona Gorda. Uh, if you're interested in this and in you can still find it because it is a limited edition cigar. Some of are, that are still out there, but these kind of went fast. Uh, James is very generous about this. Uh, you know, they put out uh, 900 20 count boxes, uh, which isn't a lot, um, but it's, you know, really, really fantastic stuff. But this, this particular cigar retails for 1250. So your box 20 is about 250 bucks. Uh, Again, that's MSRP, depends on where your state and all that other stuff, but there you go. So, some details. Ben, what did you think about the, the second third?
1: That The second third to me, I get more of a spice uptick and the sweetness is kind of down, down a little bit for me on the second third. Now, you were talking about you got the baker spice, right? And I kind of, I was, I could see it like faintly but to me, it started really kind of ramping up in the second, third. I got a lot a lot of that in the second, third, especially like that hint, that hint of a nutmeg note. Mm-hmm. Um, the leather is gone. I don't get any leather anymore. It's so earthy. So I guess a little bit of black pepper. I still get a little bit of the almond as well, the almond paste we had talked about. Um, also, to me, the fruitiness of it, that dried fruit and black cherry has kind of taken a backseat as well. Um on the retro hail, I'm actually getting um the the breadiness that I was getting before is kind of died down a little bit, but I'm getting a little more spice than the retro as well. Um, still a great long finish. Really enjoying the finish on this, and I mean it is a long finish for me, really long. Um, media. I mean, to me, it's full, full bodied strength and flavor as well. I mean, it's smoking fantastic. I did have a relight, but that was on me. We were talking about the presidential trivia question and I, it just, I talked too much and it went out. It's on me. Um, the burn, you know, like we talked about is a little wonky, but it's a box press. So I don't even care about the burn on a box press. Cause I know they're all going to be like that. Mm-hmm. Um, overall I'm loving it. What about you?
0: Yeah, we talked about the burn. I mean, so let's let's pick up the construction here. Um, you know, I've had to do a couple of touch ups on it. Um, I think that matters in the in terms of like, you know, the you enjoying smoke. You start to start doing it noticeably like when you start noticing that you're touching it up quite a bit, that can be a little distracting. Yeah. Uh the draw started really struggling for me during the second third a little bit. Um, like it was almost like it wasn't lit for some reason. And then the cigar completely went out on me. So I think that's worthy of note too. Um, you know, it happens, you know, we're talking. You know, which doesn't help sometimes. Yeah. Um, but it is worthy of note. Um, I've got it lid back up again, firing on all cylinders. I definitely get instilled. Um, it's interesting that you lost the leather note that came back for me. Um, huh. and that spicy tingle on the lips is kind of smoothed out and gone away, and then it's replaced by that kind of that leather flavor for me on the palate. So very much so on the lips. The retro hail for me is still maintained that really nice spiciness to it. Uh, there's that chili paste that's still kind of lingering there. Uh, you, it, you kind of talked about how they are kind of, they're toasted. I'm getting a lot more of that now, uh, where it's a little bit more deeper in flavor. So it's a little bit more sharp in the beginning. Like, that's why I said chili paste, you know, so it's a little bit more of that dried chili for me on the back end of it. The finish is still long, uh, and, um, yeah, full, full, uh, definitely full bodied cigar. Um. Um, but I would say that the strength level is probably medium. I, I wouldn't say this is super mm-hmm. strong. Um, but it's definitely full, you know, full bodied, full flavored, medium strength. So
1: yeah, it, to me, it's not full bore full. To me, it's it's almost like teetering on medium plus full to me. Like it's just right there at the edge. Um for, for me, I luckily I'm not having any draw issues. I've had no touch ups so I'm, i feel pretty lucky in that and a matter of fact this been smoking look how look how sharp that's getting i mean that's that's crazy but um yeah i mean kind of the same thing we're getting most of the same thing that's funny about the leather note like i'm not really getting it much anymore but you're starting to pick it back up again um and i i do i didn't mention the dry chilies but i kind of get it but what's what's odd on mine so I actually get that on the back of the palate, like the back of the throat, right? And it kind of like comes into its own as some of the other flavors kind of dissipating. I kind of could, could get that that chili, that toasted chili note we were talking about, the kind of chili paste note. Um, very interesting cigar, and I'm really, I'm really digging it so far. Very well balanced. I'm loving it. Really good. So uh, I think that's it for the second third. So we'll go ahead and pause
2: it here and we'll be back to give you our final conclusions. See you in a second. I'm going to take this band off too. It's getting close. Yeah, I pulled mine off. You know, I didn't, I didn't actually look up anything about where, um
1: james brown got the name for the madonna nate la madonna negina now i know i mean i'm catholic so i I mean we have a and i'm assuming that's what this is named after the actual statue of la madonna which is a a Mm -hmm. it's a completely black onyx statue of mary and i'm assuming that's what this is named after And I forgot the background story to that. So I should have looked that up before we came on the air, but I know it's a really famous statue. if I remember right, it's in in Spain. I think it's in Barcelona, I think, or Seville. Maybe it's Seville. I can't remember exactly where it's at, but yeah, it's a a statue. And I think it's about like, I think it's like four and a half, four, four and a half feet tall. And it's solid black Mm -hmm. statue of Mary. So I'm assuming that from. I don't know. It could be something that's totally different, but I didn't. I didn't
0: actually look that up. Yeah. Um, are we still recording for the review, or are we not? No. Okay.
1: That's,
0: that's a I have. There's a, so there's a quote from the press release. I want to really, really read in the the final third and everything. But uh, they did have. They did actually have some collection boxes um, as well in that 900 count release. That 900 box release. So there were like about 50 that were like collection boxes. Uh, they contain a mixture of ex- actually like 32 cigars. Um all from oh, really? like three sizes. Yeah. So um the company hosted a lottery drawing on their on Instagram, and this was back in June. So uh and announced where the stores that were receiving the block, the bo- the commemorative like collection boxes and stuff. So um that's cool. Yeah. I would have loved to get in older than. Yeah. So um, but yeah, I think the i i really think the uh the again it's very you know he he, black labels always had this very gothic theme to it it's very been you know dark you know they've really embraced black you know obviously the that being yeah being uh you know for a lot of things that like you know when i use the term like on the nose it's usually backhanded um i like it man i like that they've embraced it like and i i you know it's it's been kind of their identity and and yeah they they get super creative on like the black work side but like black is always kind of like their foundational piece like you know even with like things like the porcelain or the the royalty and things like that that have a lot more white on the labels um mm-hmm. they're just very dark themed you know and i like it i, like I love their work yeah oh james and james is incredible it's- talented it's great it's so great.
1: It's so cool looking. Every every label they put out, I thought that's badass looking. Mm-hmm. You know, all, all of their all the different paraphernalia they have with all the different imagery on it, it
0: looks really freaking cool. Well, the fucking poison dart, you know, from Blackworks this year too, like that, awesome.
2: I still haven't had that one.
0: I got you, man. Uh, it's it's coming. That. It's coming. I told uh, you it's coming. Okay. Yeah, I got you. So, um i gonna be a roundtable. What we should do? I well, I thought. Yeah, I was gonna say. I thought we were gonna do potentially a roundtable for it. So, um, but in other case, I got you. Um, cool. So a um, couple more fun segments here um, as we're kind of rolling through the final third of this cigar. But uh, we'll go ahead and kick things off with uh, the everybody Eat segment. Yeah, it's sponsored by Postanya Cigars. If you always make sure that your servant's towel is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get theirs. Pastania cigars is more than just great cigars made by cool people. They embody an attitude of gratitude and grit. With Pastania, everybody eats. So, uh, Ben, you've got, you've been around for a couple of these. um, that, um what is your favorite thing to make? or share with other people what is your favorite dish favorite food that you love to make and share with other people
1: Creole gumbo Uh,
0: it's so weird for you man i I can't i can't believe you picked a cajun recipe that's just weird it's bizarre for you
1: (laughs) man i grew up on that that was it's always been around you know it's a bit of family thing forever like so my grandma would call her my mama she used to make this huge pot of seafood gumbo which is creole gumbo right and we would always have it at family gatherings and it was always a tradition we always used to have it on new year's day as well you always have a big pot of gumbo so matter of fact we're actually going back home to the mississippi gulf coast for the christmas holidays um because our niece is having her first baby so it'll be born like about a, a month before we get down there of course my wife's freaking out can't wait to see the baby gotta go see the baby and all that so we're actually going down there and we're talking about we're going to cook some meals and the first thing was asked for was for me to make gumbo so i was like okay i can make the gumbo we're gonna make some gumbo so um yeah so i'm gonna be making that that's 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 just a family tradition thing dude like it's always and here's the thing too like My my mama never had a recipe, right? She was old school. She just made it, right, and never had it written down. So luckily, my aunt was like, wanted you know, she wanted to make it, and she's asking, you know, hey mama, what do I put in here? She says, oh, you a pinch of this, a scoop of that, teaspoon, you know, no no measurements. They're like a cup, a teaspoon, you know, none of that shit. It's just like oh, a little dash of that. Little put 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 a little bit of that in there. What the hell? How much is a little bit of that? You know what exactly a pinch? You know, like so she had to actually go over there to my, my grandmother's house, and when she was making gumbo, to try to figure out the measurements of the stuff she was putting her yeah. put in her gumbo. You know, so it, it's it was kind of hilarious. So my aunt has finally gotten the recipe down and you know i've made it we've kind of made some tweet like i i remember a little bit more of this in there so we tweaked a little bit and i think we've got it down exactly what my how my mama made it so you know it's it's like a heritage thing really you know i mean that's all the food i grew up on back then it's
0: it's like holy man it's like a holy thing gumbo is a holy thing dude and it's i really dig i really dig like the 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 cajun style like i love I love Cajun cooking, man. And I think it like it's gumbo is very sacred. I'm a big jambalaya guy. I will rock the shit out of a jambalaya. Love making it. Love eating it. It's fantastic. Um, That's crawfish étouffée. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, Sure. Creole. So here's the question. Let's talk about crawfish for a second, because like, I think. I think for for you and I, and I think most people, especially like in the South, there's like this appreciation, this affinity for it. It's an event, right? Yeah. The crawfish boil, the newspaper, you know, dumping a ton of crawfish, you know, there's lemons and garlic and sausage and potatoes and corn. And I mean, it's literally a feast and it's fantastic. But there's so many people that like think that like crawfish is, I don't know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't hit. And I don't understand how, and I don't understand why. Like, do you think it, oh, like, yeah. like, I know why. Sure, hit me. What, what, what's the, what, why do people not like crawfish? The people who don't, the crazy people.
1: Okay. There's a lot of reasons. One, when you have crawfish, you have a crawfish bowl or you cook crawfish, you have to purge these nasty motherfuckers because they live in the mud. They're full of grit and mud, right? And if you don't purge them, you, you're going to get like this really earthy kind of muddy flavor when you eat them. So you have to wash them. You have to, and a lot of people will actually put them in the ground and they do what they call the crawfish walk where they make the crawfish travel a little while. And what they actually will do is they will actually start pooping out all their crap they got too. Cause the next step of clean them. But basically what you want to do is you put them in a, like a giant ice chest and you fill it with water. Cause some turbulent water, and then when it gets, it's gonna get muddy. It's gonna get dirty. And you dump, dump that water out, and then do it again. It's almost like when you when you wash rice, rice right? When you yeah. put rice, you wash it first. You, you wash should. it until a the, lot of people don't. But yeah, yeah, you if you don't, you're fucking up. So wash your rice, and it comes cloudy water, and you dump it, and you do it again, and you keep doing it till that water's clear. The same crawfish. When the water's clear, they're ready. So, and then the other thing is too, um, a lot of people underseason crawfish, like I've had, them, um, you know, like I went to Mississippi state, which is the north part of the state right now. That was a place up there that was famous for their crawfish. Our first semester, we're like, oh, cool. That was actually our second semester. It was in the spring when they're in season. Um, cause there's actually not a huge season for crawfish. It's like January to just after and it's kind of over really. Sometimes you get into May. Um but they basically just use a shit ton of black pepper. Like, mm. it wasn't, it wasn't nothing to it. I'm like, hell, the hell is this crap? You know, it was almost, to me, it was, yeah. me and my friends were like, hey, it was almost unedible. But the people up the, the North part, they was like, oh, this is great stuff. It's like, this is shit. So from then on out, we actually would have our friend truck up a shit ton of crawfish. And we did a massive crawfish bowl at one of our friends' houses every uh, we call it Super Bowl weekend, which is like basically homecoming during the spring, and did a giant crawfish bowl. We had hundreds of people there. To, to do it real, so you can you can fuck up crawfish, and the bit but the biggest mistake is to not cleaning the things. You got to clean them. You have to. Yeah. It's, if you don't, you're just you're wasting your time. I want to come back.
0: Money. Yeah, I want to come back to Cajun cooking for a second with this too, and uh, but I do want to I, I do want to interrupt this this Pastania segment to talk about Sean Miles, who's been incredibly generous when it comes to the Cephasis Alliance. He has donated hundreds of dollars. Uh, to this organization and it's documented because he's won some contests that Coop and I have thrown about it so uh, but Sean in the giving heart that he has man is giving back to us so listen up guys everybody listening and this is this is going to go on so if you're listening to the podcast later wherever you listen to the podcast Spotify Google Play Podbean iHeartRadio Apple Podcast whatever it is live okay so I will announce a winner on the page if you do this okay Um, and just, this is incredibly generous by Sean. So, so Sean says if someone donates, um, oh shoot, Sean, I stepped on your toes, man. I said for people listening later. Okay. So if someone donates by the end of the show, guys. Okay. So live audience only, I apologize, Sean live audience only. Okay. If someone donates up to a hundred dollars, so a hundred dollars or more. Okay. But a hundred dollars, he doesn't care the amount, uh, as long as it's $100, he will drop them a vault gift card for an equal amount. Wow, that's awesome. So gift card uh, for the vaults and $100 uh, of or more, whatever you donate. So if it's at least $100, bucks, he'll give you basically $100 in product. If you donate $125, so on, etc. cetera. So, uh, oh, oh, John's changing the rules. Good job, anyone live or listening. So I will announce this on the page. If you're listening later, sorry. Dan corrected, okay? If you're listening to the podcast later. Sepsis Alliance, yes, check it out. Okay, so it's sepsis.org, dot org. Okay, I've thrown my email in the chat. Elosafumar at gmail.com, Elosofumar at gmail.com, E-L-O-S-O-F-U-M-A-R at gmail.com. Okay, or Facebook Messenger. I don't give a shit. Just get it to me. The first person to donate hundred dollars or more, Sean's going to give you hundred dollars for the product in the form of gift cards. So, good stuff, man. Good stuff, Sean. You are so generous. I really appreciate this. This is fantastic. Thank you.
2: That's really awesome, man. That's so cool. So, uh,
0: but getting back to the Cajun cooking. So. Um, I, this is something you, so it, 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 it's come up. It's well, it's come up since and it actually came up in the chat a couple of minutes ago. Um We, we loved a lot of things about the great smoke this year, you know, and it, there was a Mardi Gras dream. So, I mean, they were doing food, so high standards for Mr. Ben Lee, Right. So um <laughs> you weren't a fan of the jambalaya that they put out, huh? No, the gumbo
1: and jambalaya was terrible. I mean, it was it was not good. I, I just remember watching the guy make it. I'm thinking, what the fuck is he doing? Because, I mean, jambalaya basically, you you know, you 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 get the boil going, you put your seasonings in and everything, and you throw the rice in and you cover it, and you don't fuck with it till the rice is done. Right? It's like paella. How you make paella is the same way. You just cover it and let it go, and then when all the the seasoning and the liquid is absorbed in the rice, then you can open it up and you, and you start, right. That's what you do. This guy just had white rice and threw some bell peppers and other random vegetables up there. And then just threw the rice on top of it. And it was, I don't know what the hell he was doing. It was like, I was like, like that doesn't go on jambalaya. That doesn't go in jambalaya. That doesn't go in jambalaya. It was just weird as hell. And the gumbo. Was worse. I mean, Really, you don't really mix meats in gumbo either, right? You have seafood or you have meat. You don't mix the two. You, you don't you don't do that. That's that's Creole gumbo is seafood. Cajun gumbo is meats. Usually, it's like Andouille sausage and like anything. It could be any damn meat, right? They occasionally eat anything. So it could be rabbit, chicken, squirrel, whatever, anything. And Creole is always it's always shrimp and and uh and crab meat. That's it. I mean, some people would put oysters on in it. I don't, I particularly don't like that. I just do shrimp and crab meat and that's it. And the roux has to be dark. It needs to yes. be dark like this. It doesn't need to be this color. You know, it doesn't need to be white. If it's if it's tan colored, you you fucked up. I mean, when I make roux from scratch, it takes me about 45 minutes to make it. That's the thing so you're man. It's like,
0: yeah, you and you're doing it constantly, dude. It is a l- labor of love. So the thing I wanted to talk about, we're a big fan of this guy and it's just it's he's first of all he's fucking hilarious, but man, he makes some damn good food. Stale Cracker dude. Stale, <laughs> Stale cracker, cracker. Dude, this guy is so goddamn funny and he makes some of the best fucking Cajun food. Um he does a lot of charitable work, so he'll go out and cook stuff. Like they had some You know, you know, I think it was, you know, a couple of storms that have rattled rattled through it. Obviously, hurricanes hitting Louisiana all the time, stuff like that. Like, he's done such a great job of just going out and feeding, like, so many people. Like, it's just, it's just crazy. One of the favorite dishes that I love, and I I don't know if, I don't know if, I know you're a fan of his, Ben. But the, we've been talking a lot about jambalaya. But he makes a thing called pastalaya. Yeah. So, okay, so you're familiar. Like, it looks freaking delicious, man. But I mean, can I mean, is that a thing or is that his invention? Like, I wanted to ask you, you're the authority on this shit. So, I mean, I, I gotta,
1: I don't really know exactly what goes. I mean, I've heard of it. I've never watched you make it. Um, but I mean, so like, we call it Cajun pasta, it's been around forever. Basically, it's like a a, a cream sauce. With kind of the same seasoning as Jambalaya with the same stuff, shrimp or crawfish or whatever. Usually it's got tasso ham, which is like a special seasoned ham, um, or andouille sausage or all three of them. Fuck, it don't matter. It's kind of all mixed in with with pastas, but on a pasta dish. Um, and it's freaking awesome. I I love it. I mean, the um kind of the first place I knew that ever really had it was a restaurant called Copeland and it was owned by the Copeland family who owned Popeye's before they sold it off. Um, that was actually one of the, I think it was the first place I ever had it was, it was at a Copeland's restaurant in New Orleans. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a big deal. I mean, really it's just, you're just substituting one carb for another, right? So you're substituting rice for the, um, you're substituting pasta for the rice is all that really is. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's actually it's a big thing down there, too. I mean, um, but I haven't seen his version. It might be totally different than what I'm thinking of, but he does I've, heard, a lot of, I've heard about his pastalaya.
0: Yeah, he does it with spaghetti, and I've seen pastalaya with, like, it's usually done with, like, penne or some kind of, like, tube pasta. Yeah, um, most of the time it is, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but, I, I mean, it fucking looks amazing when he does it. So, I are you, like, i'm making like a it's like a hey, stale cracker if you want to sponsor the show go for it but like i'm making basically an infomercial firm. him have you tried his two-step his cajun two-step this season
1: no the only thing i have is uh his money sauce okay the 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 sauce he makes like the dipping sauce okay um he's turned me he's on actually to... for sale at walmart
0: <laughs> yeah yeah he yeah he's for sale at walmart he there's another one too that he turned it's not his brand uh uh, it's it's Amer- what they call American Worcestershire, um, but it's made by um, oh god, it's made by the hell uh, I'm gonna fuck this up. It's got my name in it, but it's like it's it's Baron something W sauce, Baron Burton's. That's what it is, Baron Burton's, Baron oh, Burton's W sauce. So they they call it the tagline is, is Americans Worcestershire. It's like a thick Worcestershire sauce. Like, it's not real, like, it's not, like, real classic Worcestershire, but he uses it in a lot of his, like, recipes and stuff, along with his two-step. And, like, I remember watching one of his videos, and he was talking about how, like, people are like, well, you always use the same ingredients. He's like, yeah, why why, why mess with the good thing? You know, he uses yeah. his two-step to season, and he uses the W sauce quite a bit. And then he's also yeah. got, you know, like, the, like, the dipping sauce you're talking about and the hot sauce that he uses and stuff. So, it's crazy good stuff, man. He's the only, I I posted him in the chat, man. He's fucking hilarious. I just, I get a kick out of him. Yeah. It's funny. Put that shit on a cracker. Yeah. Some
1: people know who said he can't understand what he says. I'm like, ow, it sounds perfectly normal to me. (laughs) Some of his, some of his,
0: some of his phrasing is weird where I'm just like, like I, like where I just, phrases i haven't heard and that's just obviously the, just because i didn't grow up there and it's i'm um, not native to 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 louisiana or the or the gulf coast so i don't really know that shit but it's uh but other than that like i i think he, i think he's fine <laughs> I, I think he's i think he i think he's perfectly understandable
1: yeah his famous tagline is that money dude and that I, money I, dude everybody's everybody says that you know that, that's that's money that's, that's mo- money that, that's your, money dude that's it's money, dude.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah and uh, and while we wait, we hydrate. It's my favorite. Mm-hmm. And, except for the fact that he's drinking really shitty beer, but hey dude, each their own.
1: No, that's that's the way, man. The shitty beer is the way.
0: So that's that's what makes that's good. A- <laughs> that's what makes good cooking. So I've been missing. Well, out. I mean,
1: no, you got to think. I mean, those dude, those those cage boys, they're they're backwater, so. I mean, it's not like they're lawyers and doctors and shit. So it's like bush light, natty light stuff like that. You know, it's not gonna be those some freaking microbrew IPA. You know, blackberry foam bullshit, weird stuff. It's gonna be like Olympia beer or just regular Miller or something. <laughs> it's got to it's not gonna be anything, anything big so yeah and plus you ever see the cage drink you'll understand they can't be buying something that's like six dollars a bottle either so yeah
0: um so good stuff man uh well i am i'll wrap it up this third but i think we got time for one more segment you think what do you think ben mm-hmm. yeah that was our everybody yeah, Eat segments like that was that uh you know Buster, man, got his money's worth out of this one, man. I'll tell you what, everybody eats sponsored by Pastani Cigars. If you always make sure that your servant's style is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get theirs. Pastani Cigars is more than just a great cigars made by cool people. They embody an attitude of gratitude and grit. With Pastaña, everybody eats.
1: Try that Pastania, Connecticut. It is freaking delicious. It's one of my new uh, addictions right now,
2: actually. So good. Review coming soon actually
0: nice good stuff so um so wanted to jump into one of my favorite segments um and i i think it's an interesting question for you so we're going to dump into we're going to dive into our next segment which is brought to you by asylum cigars refuge is more than just a physical place it could be a state of mind some of life's greatest reflections could be found in our own personal asylum moments like these were made for asylum cigars light up asylum and choose your refuge so every week ben i ask people this question and you've been asked it a couple of times but it occurred to me that you specifically out of the group we always say that aaron probably smokes the most out of any of us but um i don't know aaron uh, aaron's um location as much and everything but you always take the picture of like you sitting there in the tatawahi studios in the black mountain north carolina and everything and you're outside, you got your little office out there, you hang out there, you smoke cigars. So you have a lot of these moments where it's just you, like you're, you're doing something, Mm -hmm. you're, you know, and everything like that. But like, like
2: what, what is your favorite thing
0: to do when you're by yourself smoking a cigar?
1: Um, If I'm out here, what I really like to do is actually, you know, put on a good movie and have a good cigar while i'm watching the movie be honest okay. but I, I i tell you something that i actually i prefer to do when i smoke a cigar by myself is actually read a book i mean like you know we're history nerds yeah. i read a lot of history books and I, I tell you man there's nothing like reading a good book while you're having a cigar man it's just like you know, it's, uh, that was a little hard for me because sometimes I get, you know, if I get interrupted, it's hard for me to switch, you know, my attention back and forth with a movie it's easier. I don't know why, but like when I'm in a book, everything else fades away, right? It's just usually me, the cigar, the book and everything else is quiet. I don't pay attention to nothing else. Um, So that's actually probably my favorite thing to do. I should read a good history book while I'm having a cigar. One of my favorite things, but the most is probably watch a good movie
2: while having a cigar. While I'm out here. Most of the time. What about you?
0: I love reading and smoking. I do enjoy that. I, I do. I, I, I started this segment because I do find myself kind of just smoking and just enjoying the moment. Nothing really doing, you know, don't really have anything yeah. in my hand. Um I do a lot of smoking talking to people virtually, you know, this show perfs that we do, thanks COVID. But you know, it it's kind of been a ritual, you know, even as you know, obviously things have opened back, back up and all this other stuff and life seems normal again. But um the thing I think I really I, I, I enjoy the movie thing too as well. Um but yeah, I think it's a toss up between the movie and in the in the, the book. I think it I think it's because it kind of satisfies both. So I mean, if we want to stay true to the theme, I think the book is obviously the obvious answer because you're still technically alone, but you're alone with the film too, I suppose. What's what What's the last movie that you watched smoked a cigar with?
1: Hmm, the last movie I watched was smoking a cigar. Uh, let me think. What? Oh, I remember what it was. Uh, this movie called Sisu. It's actually a, a movie from Finland, and okay. people call it the John Wick of, of Finland because it's kind of what it's about. It's about this um, um, a guy that is living. He's he's it, it kind of the way the story develops is is almost filmed like if Quentin Tarantino did John Wick. That's how this movie is filmed. So it was with this older man. It looks like he's probably in his sixties or something. And he's out prospected in the middle of this field. There's nowhere around, right? It's just him and he's got a horse and a dog, his faithful dog with him. Mm-hmm. And he's prospected. And it's World War II, right? And you don't really know it until like he you you see this group of Nazi soldiers, they're actually SS troops that are they drive by and they're looking at him. You know, he's trying to just basically keep themselves. himself you don't want to deal with them they're driving by and basically the movie's about him and his and basically they're like oh look you know we're gonna fuck with this guy and how bad of a decision this was to fuck with this guy because well later on they find out was he was a Finnish commando and he was almost like their version of rambo so they uh they kind of fuck with him, but he goes all John Wick on their ass. It was really good. <laughs> it's a really, really good movie. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a finished movie. But uh, they got it dubbed, thank God. But uh, that was really, that was a good one. But um, I think, actually, what I've been watching the most lately, actually, is actually old 70s television shows. Early 80s. Weirdest thing. I don't know why. When I was a, growing up as a little kid, one of my favorite TV shows was Chips. And... One of the channels on YouTube has got... It's called Charge. It actually has that. And, when, you know, when you watch something on, on YouTube or YouTube TV, it always says, if you like this, you'll like this stuff too. So I've been watching, like, Chips, Kojak, Rockford Files, Magnum PI. You know, just random old and Quincy. Just, just shit from the 70s and 80s. And it's more like a nostalgia thing. Because, like, I, I kind of look at it from a history perspective too. Like, I'm paying attention to, like... You know, when they're driving down the road, the billboards that are up or the, the the, you know, like, or if they go to a restaurant, you know, look at the prices on the menu, you know, a cheeseburger, 20, 25 cents or some shit, <laughs> you know, you just, just stuff like that. I think is fine it's interesting or something, or like Miami Vice, Like I tell my wife this too, I'll watch Miami Vice too. You If you took Miami Vice from the 80s and you just re-aired it right now on NBC, it would be fine like to, it was it was like really cutting edge back in the day you know real mm-hmm. edgy and i think it's still it still could be like that you know if you, you put it on tv now people still think it's like that about that tv show but um yeah it's just, it kind of it's kind of a mix of old tv shows and and like you know movies too you know so it's, yeah, but the last one I watched was actually was Sisu. That was, that one was pretty cool. That was a cool movie. Um, But yeah, we're we kind of like movie fanatics here though. But if I, if I don't watch it with a family, obviously I'm not out here smoking a cigar. I'm watching it in, a, in our family room, but out here, there's no telling what, because I'll be, I'll just, I'll flip on. I got a Chrome Chromecast out here and I'll flip it on. It's got like suggestions on there. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen that in forever, or oh, I haven't seen that one. I'll click on it. It's, so this, it's like random
2: on what I'll be watching. I to time out of here. Nice,
0: nice. I, I just, yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy watching stuff, man. Um, the uh, movie that I've been hooked on lately, there's actually two of them. Um, both Guy Ritchie films but and they're very very interesting style Hugh Grants in both of them and he plays a very similar character um in both his accent and, and darkness is kind of the same in it and he's pretty good at it but have you seen have you seen either uh uh the gentleman with Oh my god yes. Okay, have it's you seen well Operation name, yeah. Oh, it's fucking amazing. Have you seen oh, Operation well, Fortune? No. That's a little newer. That's newer. Check it out, man. If you can okay. operation Fortunes. Yeah, Jason Statham, Aubrey Plaza. So, um, Bugsy Malone who plays, uh, the leader of the, in the, the, the thugs, you know, Colin Firth's mm-hmm. boys in the gentleman is a main character in operation Fort uh, fortune. And he's really good in it too. Um, Oh, that's cool. Rolls a little bit more prominent. He's a completely different character, obviously. Um, And I think he's, I think he's really good, but, um, Hugh Grant, I think is phenomenal in both the gentleman, though, specifically, um, Mark Strong's in it. Charlie Hunnam is fucking fantastic in that film. I love love Charlie Hunnam. I've loved him since Sons of Anarchy. I freaking, I just, I think he's awesome. I think that that script is incredible. Uh, just, I think it's great. I think it's absolutely great. It's such a great film. So, uh, I'm glad you like it too, Ben. Totally dig it. Who's your favorite character in it? Charlie
1: Hunnam's character. I yeah. think his character ties the whole damn movie together. Yeah. You know? it, I mean, and it, and he's, it's his character is really multifaceted too. Like you, you couldn't really peg it for one or other. I mean, because he can go from being. Super suave and very intellectual to fucking just an ass, absolute killer. You know, yeah. it's like in a in a flip, of this and then back again. You know, just yeah. cool. It's a great
0: character. So the dialogue, so the 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 structure of the film. So if you guys, uh, this isn't a spoiler, but it, the 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 foundation or plot of the film is laid out uh, through the retelling, uh, the the telling of the story. Is this discussion between Charlie Hunnam's character? In Hugh Grant's character. Hugh Grant did it's. I, I found out the trivia on this. This is crazy, right, Ben? It makes sense when you think about how the, the, the movie is structured. Fifty fucking pages of dialogue, and they did yeah. that. They did that in like three days of work. Like three days. He like just that him and Charlie Hunnam going back and forth, for you know, it's just crazy. In fact, the, the funny part of this is is that. Hugh Grant actually ever never actually ran into, met or interacted with Matthew McConaughey who's actually the, the center character of the film. Um, That's wild. Yeah. The entire time during filming, the, the first time he went, tied to the specific project that he actually met Matthew McConaughey was on the red carpet at the premiere.
2: Wow. Yeah. Well, the cigar guy, too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey smokes a few cigars, actually, in this film. So, mm-hmm. so. yeah, he's right. Actually, he's in New Orleans a lot having cigars. Quite a few times. Cool.
0: All right. Well, I think we're wrapping up the last third, Ben, of this cigar. So why don't we uh, take care of business here?
2: All right. Sounds good. Coming back in in three, two, one.
0: And welcome back. We are talking about the final third, thoughts on the final third of the Black Label Trading Company's La La Madonna Negra, the 10th anniversary Milestone Cigar. We are smoking the Corona Gordo size, which is a box pressed five and a half by 50, uh, made at Aveja Negra Cigars in uh, Nicaragua. Wrapper is American Broadleaf, U.S. Connecticut Broadleaf, Ecuadorian Habano Binder, undisclosed filler of Nicaragua and tobacco from the good old us of a right in the state of pennsylvania thanks to the filler so ben how did this cigar finish up for you
1: for me it's it's um it's it's quite different in the final third for me um i get a lot of artiness that leather has made a new appearance i'm getting a lot of black pepper now there's quite a bit of black pepper especially the retro hill you get that black pepper tingle for sure on there um I don't get a much of a nutty note anymore. I don't get that almond paste at, at much anymore. Um, I'm picking a little bit up of, of some some woodiness as well on the back end, but predominantly what I'm getting is some earthiness and the leather. Um, I'm actually not getting much of that bready note at all on the Hill now either. Um, I'm just getting a lot of black pepper, and I'm actually getting more of a tingle on the palate as well from, the, from that spice. So to me, it's more earthy and spicy than it is, it has ever been the whole rest of the cigar. Um, what about you? What are you picking up on the final third?
0: I've really, really uh had a very similar experience. Um, and the final third, I've got to be honest, kind of for the me. Now I've smoked several of these, and it I will say I has been inconsistent with my performance and other other, other actions with it. Uh, the final third has always been the weakest third for me. So uh, over the span of the other Vitolas and the other experiences, even with this size, but for me, that unfortunately, this this one was probably my least favorite of the thirds, and my least favorite experience of finishing up the Luminada Negro over across the other experiences. Um, I think I jinxed myself, Ben. To be honest, Ben, in the first, the second third, I had one relight. Uh, I had three relights in the final third. Could not keep it yeah. lit. um Just me a, too. Um, And. Yeah. This is unfortunate, uh, but that does take away from the experience a little bit. But that n- almond paste that we're talking about, because almond paste has that very nice sweetness, nut- sweet nuttiness to it, that's gone. But for me, that nutty nuttiness is still there, but it's more like a dried peanut. I got a dried peanut taste to it, um, which isn't bad. It's not off-putting. The flavor is still good. Uh, some black pepper is really strong, like you mentioned. The finish is still long. It lingers, uh, specific- specifically on the retrohale. The smoke is heavier than ever. It kind of is increased in weight. You were talking about the viscosity, a little bit of the smoke. Um, And um, yeah, it's uh, by far my least favorite third. Um, Construction held up really good to the end here. I'm still puffing on a little bit. Uh, I will say this, man, it's not incredibly accurate. It's not hot, you know, just get a lot more earth, a little bit more dank, you know, but, you know, still balanced just my least favorite third in my experience so what was your favorite third? yeah it's my the, the first third okay
1: i like i like the first third cuz for me it had a had a lot more stuff going on and it was more it was very well balanced with the sweet and savory and the spicy uh it was all everything i wanted was in that first third it was really good second third was pretty close but the last third of like you it's it, it's not 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 my style because it's really earthy and peppery now on the on the final third. Mm-hmm. And like I said, when I when I retro held the last third, it's it's hard for me to do a full retro because it's so much spicy black pepper that mm-hmm. it's kind of bothering bothering my sinus a little bit. But I mean, I it's not it's not something that I would I'm, like. I'm ready to put it down. It's just a trail off of the flavors, pretty good for me. It's a pretty deep trail off of flavors the final third. But it's uh, it still to me is pretty good. I did have several relights too on on the last third. I didn't really have. I had one in the second third, but that's when we're talking about one of the trivia question. So we were talking, so I just figured it went out because I, I took too long. But on the first third, I was puffing, and it kind of it went out twice. I do two relights on the final third.
2: Yeah. Um...
0: Yeah, it was a bummer, man. That that was that that kind of experience. The first there was, was the ticket for me too, man. I really enjoyed it. Um, for what it's worth, I've enjoyed the size this Vitola totally before. The my, my favorite is actually the bigger one. Is the five x fifty four. The Robusta box press is my favorite of all three. I do like the Rothschild too. I think the Rothschild has a lot more spiciness to it overall. Um, but the the Corona Gord is a good size, man. It's it's um, yeah. But unfortunately, it's, it's probably been my least favorite experience within and that's not saying anything because I enjoyed it thoroughly. But um but yeah the final third kind of just made it uh you know brought the brought the whole experience down a little bit unfortunately. So what would you score it? So let's get into the scores. Uh yeah. So the for me again the um it's I don't think it's consistent with my other experiences with it. I'm uh, not being an apologist or trying to cover my ass or anything like that. It's just the reality of my smoking experience with it. I think it's a great cigar. I think it's incredibly flavorful. The first third, again, is the ticket for me. Um, based on my experience in the second third with the Relight, have the flavor continue to um, be, in, it's still incredibly balanced and everything like that. It makes it a solid cigar for me. Uh, the final third just dropped the score, though. This was This was trending to be a 90 or 91 in the first third. And it kind of just subsequently went down for me. So the final score for this one for me is an 88.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good score. Um, I'm gonna go a little bit higher. I'm gonna give it a 90. And because I, when I was I was out like how would I score in the thirds? Right. The first third would be almost off the chart. It was mm-hmm. so good. Second third, you know, I, it was it was still really pretty really good. Uh, but the last third to me was a huge drop for me. Like to me, if I rated it just on the last third, it would be like an 87, 86, 87 for me. Um, but like the first third, the second, third were really good. So kind of, kind of the balance it all out, I would, that's why I think a, a 90 would be a good one for me. Um, I think it's a really good cigar. Like it says to me, it's still, it, to me, it's a box worthy cigar. Like I would love to have a box of these, honestly. Um, so it's, it's a fantastic cigar. So, yeah, I mean I mean I I, I feel like I rate kinda average. I don't know. You're you're a harder rater in ratings than, than pretty much the rest of our team, really. Um so it it going by that, you know, I think we, we're pretty close. You're eighty eight and by ninety is pretty close. So I think we kinda got got that a good a good spot for this cigar, I think. Good good score for this. And the price point's really good for this cigar by the way. I didn't mention that though. But what you said was 12.80 for this cigar?
0: uh, for 12.50. 12.50 for the
1: dollars 12.50? Order. Yeah, all day long, dude. It's it's worth 12.50 all day thousand, long.
0: a percent, man. I I enjoyed it. And like I said, I it's my I've had this size before and I've enjoyed it more in other in in my other experiences. The Robusto is yeah. my favorite. The Robusto would like easily score in uh you know, the low 90s for me. Um I just I that's the only one I haven't tried. I totally dig it, man. I I think it's just I I love the I've 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 really loved to the the Robusto extra kind of size, that five by fifty-four, five and a half Mm -hmm. by fifty-two, you know. Um a lot of people make that size really good. And I I do dig it. So um yeah, yeah, fantastic stuff. Yeah, really good. I mean, so
1: you know, I think we just covered this pretty well. Uh, fantastic smoke. Definitely go out and try it. If you ever break a mortar has it, definitely go get them before they're, or they're all gone. It's a limited edition, so it's not going to be around long. So if you can still get them, yeah. grab them
2: for sure. So if you're watching this on YouTube, please like, comment, and subscribe. And on that note, we'll see you next time. There we go. Stop that recording. Got it. Yeah, to
1: me, the last third man was a little bit. You know what? It, it kind of reminds me of the AJ cigar.
2: You know, real arty and real peppery on the back end. Yeah, I, I
0: man, I, I, di- I dig the smoke. I think it's fantastic. Uh, um, I think it's actually absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Smelling yeah, one out know. again. So, like, I think the the eighty eight. Uh, score is really not indicative of the experience that i've had in previous experiences and again it's not in my favorite fatola either but i i think dude it, it's worth it dude 1250 you gotta buy it man when cigars are going for like 15 18 25 30 bucks now like yeah, this is a yeah. stellar cigar for fucking 1250
1: you know yeah um, i think 1250 is cheap be totally honest i mean it's not okay. like what you just said the cigars the prices now are you know, I, I used to say the sweet spot cigar right, was like six to eight bucks back in the day. Then it went from like, you know, 10 or like, you know, 10 to 12. Now I think it's around 15, 16 damn dollars, which is crazy. Yeah. And for where we're here in the industry, it's going to get worse. I mean, yeah. you're going to see average cigar price around 16, 18 dollars, something 20, 20 bucks. Yeah. And it's not because they're being greedy. It's just things. It's just got, stuff's gone up. Mm-hmm. Fertilizer is a lot more expensive. They're having to pay the workers more because they're having the same, you know, worker problems that everybody's having in any in the industry. It's hard to find people right now. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, shipping costs. People don't realize that shipping costs has gone up a lot. You know, and just think how many times a cigar, the stuff for cigars is shipped. Got to ship it. You know, from. From the fields, the warehouse, warehouse and a factory or a bodega to then from bodega to factory, from the factory to, you know, where they, they got sent off to, you know, to depots and trade the ports, get the port to the whatever port the country going into and then distributed from that to the to the headquarters or our warehouse in, in like the US from the US warehouse to retailers. That's a lot of shipping. And that's those price, the shipping prices have gone up a a good bit, you Mm -hmm. know, and with the strikes now with, with some like UPS and probably FedEx coming soon and everybody else, it's going to get worse. They're going to have to make up that difference in the, in the new pay rates somewhere, and it's going to be us paying it and, you know, the customers, so it's only going to get worse. So 1250 band is, is really, I think it's an outstanding price, especially for anniversary limited edition cigar. I mean, that's crazy.
2: Yeah, definitely. You know? Definitely. I mean, just,
1: you're, if you would have told me this was sixteen
0: to eighteen dollars, I'd be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You know? Right. So we actually do have a winner, by the way. Uh Aaron from Flint Knoll. You know, they've been uh, huge supporters of us. Uh they I think we 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 caught their attention when we did the round table, you know, you know, last year or earlier this year rather uh for obviously for their their project with Macanudo but he's been a fantastic supporter of this show and uh he's actually the winner of Sean Miles's uh Sean Miles's uh little uh uh side bet side side benefit side package Sean thank you so much your generosity is incredible uh fantastic just so cool man uh so Aaron from Flint Knoll uh Aaron I'll get you the uh I'll get you the uh sean's email sean will get some stuff out and you can you can take care of it so fantastic work guys uh um massive uh great donation so i i won't divulge any details over it but it was over the hundred dollar mark and it's greatly appreciated this will go a long way this will absolutely go a long way uh to sepsis alliance just man they need they need every dollar really really matters to these folks so this was an incredible donation thank you so much aaron we really appreciate it um just thank you. Thank you so much. And Sean, bless you, sir. What a great, what a great, uh,
2: you know, what a great note of generosity. Thank you so much.
1: He's so. just happy because Ferrari won the race, the won race today.
0: That's probably well, it. Yeah. 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 Sean's on a high right <laughs> now. So that works. And his Giants won. So, you know, they came back from that dreadful performance in week one. So he's happy. So that's good. So, yeah that's, that's crazy that they won
2: a game <laughs> uh I uh
0: I I I I going back to the cigar that I heard Ben I, I really enjoy it man I think um we've we've talked about this several times on different shows and stuff like that James has just got an incredible knack for blending man and he has so much again he has so much fun with it you can tell he's really into sizes that you and I dig. And it works for them. You know, like they say that like these smaller ring gauges don't sell and they don't move and stuff, but he makes it work, man.
1: He makes it work. Yeah, yeah I agree. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, he does an outstanding job, man. He really does. I mean, like I said, I love the Black Work Studio stuff. So he plays around with tobacco, magic happens.
2: No mm-hmm. doubt. Good
0: stuff, man. Good stuff. Well, um, we got one last question, Ben, to wrap up the evening. And that, of course, is our curveball segment, which is, of course, uh, brought to you by Dunbarton Tobacco & Trust. Fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter since the company's inception. Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park. Seven consecutive years in the consensus top three. Actually, eight, excuse me, eight consecutive years in the consensus top three. Our good friend, Mr. William Cooper, is predicting I'll be nine with the Papa Saka. He thinks that Papa Saka will win the consensus this year. So that would make it nine crazy, crazy. So, um, but here's your question tonight, Ben. So, you know, obviously the, the acquisition of Alec Bradley by STG kind of rocked the cigar world uh, a while back. And uh, that presence was obviously felt when STG returned to the show, or rather it was forged to return to the show uh, this past year, the PCHA trade show in July in Las Vegas, we had the opportunity to go around the booth. And uh purvey some of the products, have some products which were really good and everything. So um Ben, you've been doing this for a long time and you've seen a lot of acquisitions happen and everything like that. So I have a two-part question here. What do you do you think that there is another? It doesn't have to be by stg or Forge or anything like that, but do you think there's another acquisition that happens in the calendar year of 2023? We've got four months left, three months left, three and a half months left.
1: Um, I don't think so. Um I mean, because we're close to, well, we're we're at the beginning of the last quarter, so I would think not just financially. I don't, I don't, I don't really probably see another one. I think if we do see one, it will be probably in the spring. I think, Mm -hmm. um, like just
0: before the trade show again, like the new, yeah, probably. Yeah. I think it'll be,
1: you know, second quarter, maybe if we see one, I don't know. I, I, get, I don't know because the economy is not that strong right now. So, I mean, you, you had this one there was this is a good time to like pick up a company kind of on the cheap. So it's possible, but I just, I don't see it. I don't see it right now. I don't, I don't see a good return if you're buying something, you know, on, in Q4
0: right now. So I it's, doubt we see
1: one. I think it'll be next year.
0: It's not really an acquisi- it's not really an acquisition but like do you think maybe w- there's an opportunity to get a brand similar to the way that my father purchased Fonseca right from from Quesada like do we think we could see a brand that though no, that's possible
1: because that one's not as heavy as buying an entire company like an Alec Bradley right so acquiring another brand from somebody else it's, it's very possible mm-hmm. um i just don't know who it could what
0: it would be honestly at this point um so there's there, no there's no rumor about this but this kind of this thought came up discussion this this past week and what's a and i started thinking about what's a brand that i would like to see really take off and isn't really doing much for that brand so i'm gonna ask you that question What's a brand that could be done, like could use a facelift, could use a change of scenery. We'll call it that. I have an answer to this question, but if you want me to say my answer while you think about it, that's fine. I can do that. Yeah, go ahead. I got, I
1: got a couple. Cassano
0: 18 from Davidoff. Davidoff's done so much other stuff with their like, all their other lines, right? Like they've done, you know, they've done some stuff with AVO. They've done some stuff with Camacho, the Camacho Nicaraguan was a big hit for them. They've continued the Liberty series, you know, things like that, you know, Um, the Broadleaf, the Camacho Broadleaf, the newest one, right. You know, so like they, you know, the AVO Caribe. So they, they've, they've, they've done some stuff with these other brands, right. That they own. And I just keep waiting, man. I just keep waiting for Casano 18 to get something and I'm still waiting. So I'm just kind of like, man, look, if you guys aren't doing do anything with this, like, man, maybe divest yourself of that, make some money off of the sale and have someone else have their way with it. Cause that's it's a really good cigar, man. It's a really good cigar. Super smooth, super mild. So it doesn't necessarily fit. Like, I don't see James Brown pointing out the cash for it. I don't know if he'd have a good place for it in his portfolio necessarily. But um, and I'm only referencing him because he's we talked about him on the show tonight, but like I think for the right fit like a change of scenery would be really good for that brand.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I do too. I, I, I don't know. Dowdorf is doing a lot of strange things the past couple of years, years. Um, and they're really, really um, cautious with this FDA thing. Super like way more cautious than any brand that I know of. And the Casado brand is all predicate, everything. So I could see them just holding on to that, just in case the FDA thing takes a turn, and they actually have the you know they they kind of have these predicate blends. Um, I mean I don't know I don't I don't see them selling really anything, just because they just they're out of a history of not doing that. They'll buy something, but they don't really they're, I don't know they really sold anything ever. But Kusana was something that could use a facelift for sure. It needs something. Because I I mean they had that since they bought that, they really haven't done anything with that, that brand whatsoever. Like nothing. Um so it could use something, but I, I was thought they kind of holding on to that just for the predicate blends that they have for that. So I don't know. Like I said, the past two years, they've done some questionable things, so there's no telling. Honestly, it's it's hard, hard to tell what they might do. Yeah.
0: I, so. I don't know. I just think a change of scenery would be really good for it, so.
1: Yeah, I'd be going by that, too. Even the Griffin line, too. Same thing.
0: I think you got to do something with one of those, man. Like, it's like. Yeah. They're great brands, but they really haven't done anything with them. It's really sad.
1: No, the last thing they did with Griffin was the Griffin Nicaragua, which was outstanding. It was a great, great cigar, but since then, nothing, hell, I haven't even seen either of those two brands on any, any shelves anywhere in, in a long time. So who knows? I don't know. I don't know what uh, I was thinking of that somebody could grab would be warped. That's oh, just,
0: one. just the, the entire, Oh, the entire brand, like Kyle Gallas sells out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's not much that's happening there, you know, I mean, he's, he's got interest in all kinds of other stuff now, coffee, wine, whatever. So I don't know how focused is he on the warp, the brand itself anymore.
0: Well, he expanded outside of Nicaragua with you when he started using a Dominican factory for some stuff. So he's got some new stuff working. I think that that positions him really well if he wanted to sell the brand, you know, he's, yeah. di- he's pretty diversified. Um, I don't know. That'd be interesting.
2: that would be interesting. Um, who would buy them?
0: I mean, like, you think like another, like, an STG or Forge or something like that, or do you think like someone else could get them? I don't know, maybe somebody else. I mean,
1: I mean, he was always with Agonor for the longest time. Maybe I yeah. could
0: pull them in, yeah. That, I mean, that, that, that makes logical sense. Um, I have this like this idea that like I I I don't think for the Levin family of Ashton like I don't think it's in their cards to actually be in acquiring mode. They built up their Browns from the ground, but like like how cool would it be? Like you use use Warped, I think is a good example. Like you use war, someone like Warped, where it's a whole other class of audience and consumer at that point. If they brought in someone mm-hmm. like that, like I would think, I would like to see Ashton get a little funky. Be like, you know, to to like kind of like kickstart, you know, kickstart the brand a little bit, rejuvenate it
2: a little bit. So but yeah, I don't that see that would the actually be thing. somebody I could,
1: I could see That's somebody cool. like Ashton if if they did sell Kusana, I could see Ashton be one that would pick. Yeah, it would
0: be perfect for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, perfect right for them. in their wheelhouse. Yeah, I you know who I thought would be interesting. This is just again, this is just all. We're just we're just talking shit, guys. So like, don't take this for anything. There's no there there's no deeper meaning. We're not dropping hints here. But you know who could have fun with it? I think, uh, because he really he has Connecticut offerings, but he doesn't have really that that smooth, light, creamy, classic Connecticut. Like the Casano 18 is Christian Aroa, like an under coe or something like that.
2: Yeah, that's true. So, I, I would see him probably more developing his own though. Yeah. yeah,
1: more than he would buy buy another brand and pull it up under him.
0: Yeah, that's you know? true. It's true. I don't know. Good stuff, man. That was our Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust curveball segment and fastballs or curveballs. It doesn't matter since the company's inception. Steve Sock has been knocking him out of the park eight consecutive years. Count him up the consensus top three congratulations steve here's to number nine potentially coming in just a few short months how about them apples so uh we'll see if uh, coop's prediction comes true so all right well that about wraps up our show ben uh thank you so much for your time this evening thank you so much for smoking la madonna integra with me from a black label trading company it's a fantastic experience so thank you Man, always a pleasure, man. Love being on the show with you. Special thanks goes out to Aaron from Flint Knoll uh, for being the donator to Sepsis Alliance uh, for Sean Miles' side generous donation of $100 plus gift card. He's matching whatever the donation is uh, to the first person who donates. And uh, we really appreciate Aaron from Flint Knoll. So thank, thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Sean. Thanks to our great audience tonight, man. What a fantastic audience we had. Uh, really great stuff and uh you know we spoke to get scar that's a great conversation hope you all enjoyed uh for ben do you have a review coming up another review
1: yeah most connecticut should be coming out at the end okay. of the week
0: fantastic so we got this check out the smoking syndicate uh facebook page or follow them on instagram uh you can have uh you can have a link to all their uh their channels and everything like that once uh you know ben, as ben puts out these reviews so so check it out, scope it out. It'll be fun. And uh, so that'll be it for us. We're going to wrap up tonight's show um, as um, we do it. Be sure that you check out our Facebook page, Fumar, and make sure that you tune in to see who's going to be our upcoming guest. we got a great show coming up on the first. Uh, and then we also got, we're, we're talking about SCG, We're talking about Forge. We actually got John Hockham coming in next week. The, the ambassador for the chillin' Moose brand from Forge Cigar Company. So that'll be fun. John made a great we had a great time with john in the booth this year so i'm excited good stuff but. yeah it was a great that was a great interview yeah so um anyway thank you so much to all of our audience again once again we really do appreciate it so for everyone out there this is ls marks takes 264 take unbelievable i've done 264 of these this is incredible so um bear duplicity as always your host. Uh, Of Ellis Fumar takes live from the Alec Bradley Studio of Azle, Texas. He's Ben Lee. Guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time.